guess you ain't from around here, yeah I guess you ain't from around here, yeah Look at what we did in the past year, yeah A lot of green like a pasture A lot of busted like a pastor Yeah, enjoy it while I'm still here I've been on the up and disappeared like the rapture No mad raps in the cheap short I'm just shopping in my Sears I ain't no soothsayer Just a truth seeker, boo tweaker Might just make a meal while I'm getting meeker just make a meal while I'm getting meeker Do I sound clear? Can you hear the soothing timbre in your ear? Look at what we did in the past year Yeah, look at what we did in the past Hello everyone, welcome back to new title, uh, Portals of Dan And I am joined here today with Nomad from the Nomad Podcast And also Joshua the Branch, which you can catch on uh, the Spider's Web and other places where else can they find you at joshua i'm on telegram with that handle but you can also find me on instagram at appalachian aesthetic and uh i did start a youtube channel that i'll start uploading things on but um for now that's that's good enough excellent and nomad do you have anything else to add to that any other places they can find you uh, yeah, you guys can find me at nomad.art, G-N-O-M-A-D dot art, or also on Patreon slash nomad. Uh, I do some exclusive content with some other creators there where we dig into the esoteric side of things and a bunch of other stuff. So yeah, that's where you can find me and reach out if you guys have any comments or questions or just want to chat. Yeah, and also you and the homie Romy <clears throat> on our Patreon, Rising from the Ashes. You guys uh, have been doing a little series on there about bells. Um, yeah, exactly. So that's excellent. Uh, I like to give a little intro like that, tell people that stuff so they can look you up right now. And then as we get into it, at the end, we'll we'll do it again. Uh, but so last time, last week, uh, we kind of gave a little little brief kind of intro of like where we kind of came from and kind of gave everybody a little bit of idea of what it is that we believe and think uh so hopefully they can get a little bit of aspect to that to see our personalities to understand like where we're coming from when we talk about the bible uh because there's you know for me like the denomination thing is really weird because everybody has their own different ideas about fitting in this, this these are the things that we do here but to me i see like it's very hard uh i guess that's kind of why i wanted to do this is to see those other ideas kind of brought forward because there's so many different ways to interpret things uh in the bible and is there do you guys believe that there is a right way or a wrong way to interpret these ideas or are they just the way they are to make you kind of think and use your own brain. Well, for me, I think one of the most beautiful parts of the Bible uh, of Jesus specifically is the way that he taught, because it was very much by asking questions and telling parables. So uh, in a way it's like the truth will reveal itself, like seek and you shall find. So I find that's kind of my approach and also why I appreciate the Bible. It is sort of a history of, all these ancient texts that we have that's been um, tested over time throughout different authors and different people putting the stories together and um, essentially uh, 
authenticating them. And then often, you know, we found the Dead Sea Scrolls after we already had, you know, these Bibles established and that confirmed a lot of it. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, I think the approach is the most important part. I think the truth will reveal itself, but uh, asking questions and telling stories, in my opinion, is kind of the best way. Excellent. Joshua. Um, well, yeah. Um, and what I think is so interesting, I think I might've pointed this out on the last show, but it's perhaps a good idea to remind everyone that the first five books were actually given to the Hebrews from Mount, uh, from Yahweh on Mount Sinai to Moses. And so looking at this Bible here in front of me, it says the first book of Moses mm-hmm. called Genesis. So I think that point should be emphasized that, you know, the Pentateuch um, was given directly from God and the Hebrew language itself is so magical in a lot of ways. When you study it, it's got so many layers of deep meaning to it. And, you know, uh, Christ knew every jot and tittle of that, um, all five books, as well as all of the other, you know, prophets writings as well um and so he would have kept all the commandments that were found in the first five books and that's one of the miracles that makes his life here on earth so remarkable as he was able to keep the law so he was both the law and the blood um in one vessel so i agree with what he was saying there that um you know and what and what makes this even more interesting is when you go through the lineages and Matthew, it talks about the birth of Christ coming from the 42 generations. And it begins with Abraham, who we learn here, in, you know, in Genesis here is all about that, you know, Adam and Eve, Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, um, and then what became Israel. And then Christ came out of that. So um, it's really quite remarkable to see how the seeds were planted long ago, you know, and we see that in Genesis. And one of the things that I think is very interesting is to always mention the, the war with the giants over the land and how, um, you know, we're, we're kind of seeing that seed war still playing out today, you know. So I think that the Bible in a lot of ways is telling us stories from the past um, from a certain perspective. And other cultures probably have their own perspective, like you mentioned where they are telling a similar story about the same historical fact thing that happened. But what I like about the the first five books of the Bible um, are that they're told from one perspective definitively. And uh, it's interesting because that's, it's quite the authority in that way, quite literally the author uh, authority. God wrote the 10 commandments with his own finger at one point, you know, and, so in a way, um, I just have a deep appreciation for that. And I do like the whole Bible, as it were, but the first five, I really do like a lot. <laughs> I'm just enamored with them because it was it was a gift. You know, we didn't have he didn't have to give us that, you know, and if we didn't have that, <laughs> well, we wouldn't be doing this right now even. <laughs> but, you know, we wouldn't really have that good, solid um story or proof about what happened and there are a lot of other quote unquote theogonies or, or stories of creation 
and other cultures that I do like and find similarities in. But this one I like because, again, it was given to us by the deity himself. And I, so I guess I could just end with that. It's very unique in that way. Yeah, well said. Um, so let's get into Genesis then, chapter one. Um, one, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. <clears throat> and, God, God, and God called the firmament heaven and the evening and the morning were the second day. So I'll stop right there because that's the first day. Uh, let's talk about the first day of creation, and then we'll kind of go day by day. Um, yeah, I love it. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. To me, this means the heavens, the stars, and everything in the sky, the space, were all created at the same time. And now well, scientists and you mind if will I talk just... about a big oh, bang theory uh, where everything got created all at once in an immense blast. Now, people say science is stupid. They don't agree with that necessarily or a big bang at all. Uh, so let's kind of get into that idea of God created the heaven and the earth. Uh, well, I would just wanted to read real quick what my version says. So in the young literal translation, uh, Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning of God's preparing the heavens and the earth, the earth hath existed waste and void, and the darkness is on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God fluttering on the face of the waters. So uh, I don't know, Do you? Could, would you mind just now reading yours real quick just so we can do a back and forth? Uh, and the earth was out without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Would you read the first verse again? Sorry. Oh, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Okay. So yeah, kind of slightly different in my opinion, because like, like one's like he created it. Boom. One's like, okay, right now he's starting to prepare for it kind of thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, so I just find that, that I, I love going back and forth with the translations because you get some nuance, I think. Yeah, for uh, sure. How That's about great. you, Joshua? Did, did yours have anything? Well, uh, I was, I just grabbed one here. This happens to be a, check. See. This, is, this one was a gift my mother gave me. This one happens to be a King James version, so it'll probably Perfect. match what he read. Mm -hmm. uh, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So that seems to be the um, most popular 
I would imagine being King James and all. Uh, yeah, so a little. If you guys don't mind, but I'll I'll go the Hebrew. I could look up the Hebrew too. Yeah. Uh, do you have a different uh, version? Do you have non-King James? Uh, it'd be um, interesting. Online, you can three use different versions. Yeah. You can use Bible Hub online and uh, any versions available there. Yeah. What was your okay. What was your version? Yours was King James as well, Dan. Yeah. Uh, was there a specific one you wanted to look up? Um, I mean, not not necessarily. Uh, I think the new. What's it called? Uh, NIV. New Living. Yeah, the New Living. Uh, or, yeah, let's try that one. So, uh, this is the New Living Translation, Genesis one one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So, yeah, still pretty similar to King James, I would say. I found the YLT to be the most sort of different. Uh, and in my opinion, seems to be the most close to how the Hebrew was trying to say it based on my very rudimentary understanding. Uh, so yeah, that's fascinating. Um, what do you guys think about the, it sort of saying that the earth hath existed already like waste and void. So it seems like there was something, I think we maybe talked on this briefly last time. Mm. Well, here in the Hebrew, it uses the word tohu, Tuhu vabohu, which I've actually heard that phrase before, and it means formless and void. So that seems to be the the concept, um, and that would be T O H U um, Tohu vabohu. It's kind of hard to spell because it's in Hebrew, but anyway, yeah, that's the concept that uh, it was something from nothing. I guess was the is the gist of that. And it uses another word here. Um, instead of moving or fluttering, it says hovering here in the Hebrew. Um, hovering over the face of the deep. And, and was over the darkness. And darkness. Yeah. So anyway, didn't want to. Yeah, I, I tend to interrupt. think of it kind of as like Mars, say like a, a barren planet that has no form and void yet. Uh, like if you think about like an ancient alien type of theory with, or like the Sumerians, how Enki kind of came and created, terraformed uh, the mm -hmm. planet to be habitable. Uh, it's kind of, it gives me that kind of vibe where it was a barren waste and then it was, uh, then something came and brought life to it. And then that life begat life. Yeah, I mean, it seems like there was sort of chaos and then there was order or, right? Like when you see cymatics and they shift from tone to tone, there's that chaos moment in between where it's, you know, the particles are all scattered. Mm -hmm. It seems like there was sort of this fundamental um, uh, pre-mortal water, right? Yeah. Well, that's one of the reasons I do like the Sumerian creation epic because it's more illustrative with what's actually taking place. And it talks about taking the heavens and stretching them out like a canopy, a tent canopy and having tent poles and all this. And I was and it make, and it reminds me so much of Genesis, you know, like you were saying, preparing to create and uh, cause there were all these different steps that were taken, you know, and 
one of the things that I also find interesting is it doesn't really say anything about the angels here. Um, but each, each word that leaves the mouth of God, the most high, it, th th that's an order or a decree that's executed by angels that are just mm. you know, standing around waiting to do their labor, I guess. And so um, even in the Gnostic tradition, they kind of talk about the craftsmen that created the world and created things. And um, so I, I think that that's kind of something that's not really mentioned here in the first days is that the angels were doing these things, you know, so uh, kind of goes into once all their labor was completed, you know, eventually they made humans to kind of give themselves a rest um, is the, how right. some of the stories go apparently. <laughs> and we're a lot smaller than them in a lot of ways, uh, but they, you know, were fewer in number apparently. So it's kind of interesting because the giants do get talked about later, but, um, but there's one thing I want to mention here about the, and, and let there be light was one of the first things that uh, gets created, right? Um, we get the heavens and the earth. So that was the first two things. And then light was like the third thing. Um, so in the Masonic Lodge, that's something that they always talk about as light. And part of the initiation involves that light where they clap the hands and then take a blindfold off and there's light. And so that is something that um, I always thought was kind of interesting because just like it says here, there's darkness, but then there's light. And so I think they're trying to mimic that a little bit in that regard, um, because also in the lodge, you'll have a pillar with the stars and constellations on it. And then you'll have another pillar with the earth and the continents and stuff on it. So there's the heavens and the earth right there in the temple with you. you know, it's modeled after Solomon's temple. And we'll see like later on in the Bible, they get the directions on how to construct that. And so I think that's kind of interesting because the, tabernacle is modeled after the universe itself apparently and so this concept of stretching the heavens over the, like a curtain it's just like the tabernacle in the wilderness and it all goes back to this creation in genesis so i personally find it very cool <laughs> that you know it, the it's it's always coming back to itself you know in the beginning um but I kind of getting ahead of myself, but there is one thing I wanted to mention before we got too far along, but then in first John, it talks about in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and was God. And, um, I just think that that's a very interesting point to make because here, here it is. We just kind of see that God's not really given a form or anything, but we do have these, these things being spoken. So there's something about the spoken word itself, the yes. logos, that is seen as divine. And you see that even in the Sumerian stuff, for instance, that in a lot of other cultures that there were beings on this earth at one time that if they spoke something, it was absolute law and it was executed as such. Well, I think that they were probably mimicking the same concept that takes place in heaven. In, in these in this regard except they they weren't god they were just acting like god on earth <laughs> in this regard but 
I don't know. I just wanted to mention that too, because I think that you, you run across these concepts of like the tablets of destiny and the me and having like the authority, the authority, the ability to, to author existence. That's a big privilege. And so this being able to go and terraform planets like this, I mean, what could be, can you think of a bigger responsibility than creating, you know? So, I mean, yeah. really a lot of praise and, <laughs> you know, we're going to offer a lot of praise to God that we can even sit here and talk about this. I mean, it, we've come a long way, <laughs> you know, from, from formless and void um, to now. So that's pretty cool. And to think that, you know, a lot of folks would even agree that we're in the end times, which is more like revelation. So here we are studying Genesis when we could very well be in, you know, the end. <laughs> so um, I just find that very interesting. Um, oh, yeah. And this concept of Christ being the logos and the word, I think that, you know, he's also referred to as the light of the world. So here again, we see that the third thing created was the light. So I also wonder if that was like the logos in some way as well. Mm. Yeah, because it seems interesting that um, that there would be form, there no form and void uh, without form and void on the earth. Yet there would have been a sun. So did the sun get placed? Or did Earth get moved into a place where the sun is at uh, for the light? Well, it doesn't to necessarily be say that the it doesn't say that the sun is the light either. No, it doesn't. <laughs> so I, I think that they're two different things. Honestly, I think what the light is is probably truth. Um, let's see if the Hebrew mentions it. Uh, well, it yeah, says it divided the light, light from the darkness, so that means you know, sun and no sun, morning and night so that kind of implicates that it would be the sun that's creating that light yeah it would seem like that which is interesting because it reminds me of the concept of how the letters themselves are the shadows yeah. which you can't create a shadow without light right and so again it kind of comes back to that too <laughs> well in uh, verse 15 it says and they have been uh actually let me back up in 14 it says and god saith let luminaries be in the expanse of the heavens to make a separation between the day and the night and they have been for signs and for seasons and for days and the years mm -hmm. uh, which and that's one of the main verses i want to go over today but in this one it's saying that the luminaries in the expanse uh are essentially uh giving light upon the earth yeah well and they rule the night too there's this concept of the hours you know and so through the day the sun rules uh, well, in, a certain span of time and then the night but yeah. the moon and stars rule the two luminaries yeah the moon rules the night and the sun rules the day Yeah, it's very interesting because in mind how it lays it out, it's very much like God is creating the different parts and then he's putting them into action. Because uh, in mind it says, and God saith, let light be and light is. And then it says, and God seeth the light that it is good and God separateth between the light and the darkness. So he's like making it and then separating it 
and then he's putting it into action. <laughs> Isn't it? It's just surreal to think about, right? Mm-hmm. So was it that everything the that he was time stopped, and then what did he do? Just turn time on, and then the star starts up with the reactions. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, what's really going on there? That to me is just. Make well, sure. apparently time is spin rate is, is a theory that I've heard. I don't know. Is what? A spin rate. It's like oh, relative okay. to spin. Uh, so I don't know if that's like how the sky is spinning or how we're spinning or how the universe is spinning, depending on your mm. uh, <laughs> your theory, I guess. Well, and it's, I would imagine it's different depending on the size of the planet. For instance, so on Jupiter, time probably goes by a lot slower whereas on mercury it goes by quicker because especially if the spin theory is true then on mercury you're going to age a lot quicker mm-hmm. i mean it goes around the sun i think on what 88 days compared to our 365 so you know we got like you know that brings up there's a like lot a, more years <laughs> it's much more accelerated yeah that brings up Go an ahead. interesting idea of maybe possibly why people uh lived so much longer on earth did it spin slower or did it i mean if you believe that or did it go around the sun at a a slower speed that people were able to live Mm. five and six hundred years rather than 120 that we're said to live now uh if time well sin is the reason for death so that's Mm. what i would that's And and see, we okay, think yeah. now that with technology we're living longer when in fact we lived longer when there was less sin. So mm. okay, so sin is the what is like the the boundary of uh years of life. I it kind of makes sense, right? Like uh if you if you have like all power uh, and you're being evil in the universe, that's you're probably gonna get uh, shut <laughs> down, right? So you, you're like putting time out, right? So yeah. we're like almost in time out, maybe uh, until we get our spirit right, and then. <laughs> I uh, if I could quote Iron Maiden, uh, only the good die young, and evil seems to live forever. Well, well it's I think like the. <laughs> Batman quote to either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain kind of thing. Yeah. Go I think ahead, those man. that prioritize the carnal nature, uh, you know, they sent, they prioritize that. And so it often seems like they're succeeding, but I think they're oftentimes doing that at the expense of their soul or their spirit. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the classic uh, Faustian bargain. I don't think you necessarily need like a, uh, a, a encounter with a, a supernatural being to have that sort of different mentality of like, okay, I'm willing to like step on people to get to where I want to be in this reality. I think, you know, those who have began to look at this more as an experience to evolve your soul, they have a different mentality, right? Mm. How do you, how do you guys kind of see the cosmos? Because I think, uh, import, uh, like space, the cosmos, uh, planets in the sky, planets in the, in the universe, or whatnot kind of can inf- if that idea is what you have in your head of what is reality uh that could also uh kind of change your perception of what it is saying here in, in the biblical narrative uh because if, if you have no concept of space then w- what is what is happening in 
in the creation? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Uh, that's why I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, let me find it here, Genesis 1.14. And God saith, let luminaries be in the expanse of the heavens to make a separation between the day and the night. And then they have been for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And I, I looked up the Hebrew word for seasons there. And essentially, it's for uh, a specific uh, um, appointed time is, is the mm -hmm. phrase used there. So what this is saying to me is that the stars are there to tell us about certain times and um, which is like what astrology kind of is. Yeah. Right. And so I think there's the, been this, this dissonance and it's been sort of uh, demonized. But to me in the Bible, it's saying this is what it's for. Right. It's for recognizing these signs, first of all, which is, you know, prophetic and all that, mm -hmm. uh, but then appointed times. So it's like, here's the template kind of, and, and you should pay attention and it will help guide you. So I think there has been a attempt to demonize that um, probably uh, by the Roman church, you know, which I think has been sort of a front of, of real Christianity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that, man. Joshua, what say you? I dropped the link for Moedim, which is the... Uh, word uh, they use for appointed times and those are for the feasts of mm -hmm. yahweh which yeah. are found later in like leviticus and deuteronomy so um for instance where you start the ecclesiastical new year in the spring um the feast of unleavened bread and that would be the first light of the new moon like when it's dark as soon as there's light on uh, the sliver there, you would have two witnesses blow their trumpet at the sighting of the light. And when two witnesses blew their trumpet, that's when the new month uh, began. And so um, what he's referencing here for signs and seasons and such, you would that's how they would start the year right there. So that would be the first light of the moon after the spring equinox. And so any way we deviate from that, we would already be getting away from what was established in the heavens. Um, so that's kind of one of the points that's made throughout the Bible is that eventually our feast days get all out of whack and that we're not actually doing on, on earth what's being done in heaven because all these things are being done in heaven, you know, over and over and over religiously, <laughs> so to speak. Whereas on earth, we lose sync with heaven uh, eventually. And he makes a, uh, and God mentions at one point about how his, our feast days um, basically disgust him or you know, so on and so forth because we've gotten out of sync. I'm sorry, what? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Keep going. Oh, wow. You responded to the chat. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really important that he was pointing that out because. Um, we're supposed to really be in sync with the seasons. Like for instance, how often I'm guilty of this eating out of season, uh, like going to the grocery store and getting strawberries in the dead of winter, you shouldn't be able to do that, you know? And so I think today also we can see a lot of signs that we're in the end times because we're totally not in sync with uh, the earth and yes. with the seasons as it were. Mm -hmm. I, the seasons I, also get confused in the end days too. Oh, yeah, you pulled it up there. Cool. 
Moed, yeah. And that's spelled M O A D E or M O E D. Or and notice it says tent of meeting there too. So again, that uh, yeah, reference back to the Play tabernacle yeah. or tent. That's where these meetings would take place. Um, so men were required to go three times a year. So we would have to go in the spring for Feast of Unleavened Bread that is um, marking the occasion of being taken out of captivity in Egypt. And uh, they left in such a hurry, they didn't have yeast for their bread. So that's why the, blood, the bread is flat for that Feast of Unleavened Bread. Then again at Pentecost, which is 50 days or so after that, um, it's kind of in between the spring and fall feasts. And then um, again in the fall for uh, Yom Kippur, which was uh, judgment or feast of atonement. Those are the three that men were required to, to go to. And so they would each have to go to this tent of meeting which was the tabernacle in the wilderness. But then that actually became Solomon's temple. And then later after that, they built the temple again. But each of them were destroyed. But but a lot of times we don't talk a lot about the tent of meeting, which was in the wilderness. It was more like sticks and basically bed sheets and sticks. When you, if you really think about it and curtains is what it was, it was, it was, a lot different than the big monolithic stone structure that they eventually built. It was meant to be mobile. You're making make, letters. I'm trying to make the hand signals. Yeah, you said it's Hebrew. You can make them all with your hand. I've seen if you can. You could oh, the yod. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and remember, Definitely it's shadow. Can. So, yeah. like, maybe that maybe it's skewed and stretched. And at an angle, but mm -hmm. one way shit. And there's this guy on YouTube from the Meru Foundation. Um, I think that's what it's called. Yeah. And I can't remember his name, but he does a lot of talks on it. And he actually created something. It's like a little piece of metal that he, he it fits in his hand. And it's the shape that he was that he's talking about. <laughs> and he can take that shape and create every letter with it with shadows. And um and it's really cool too because it's kind of designed to look like a an oil lamp. So again, mm. it's the light of the world. <laughs> Interesting. And uh, there's even a little dance he has that he put together with the Hebrew alphabet, um, that just uses like the hands and uh, arms and stuff. And a lot of the Paleo Hebrew um, goes back to things like Aleph, for instance. The first one is an ox head. Oxes were very, very prominent, you know, uh, could also be like to plow with, et cetera. But there's also the point to be made here before we get off the topic of stars is that um, the constellations themselves actually can be mapped out with the Hebrew language. So it, com it, it literally comes from the stars itself. Wow. So learning how to map that out, you know, astrology as it were can have a totally different application when you look at it biblically and realize that when you look up there is in fact that everything's written in the sky already so what we're reading here in the bible is that technically we just don't know it <laughs> and that can't be changed or unwritten 
but the book here on earth, you know, sometimes it's subject to influence, but that's again, why I like the first five books so much because they're the least adulterated because of the Hebrew language is still something that people speak and still around, you know, um, there was another point I wanted to make, but I forgot what it was. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I was writing this down earlier because, um, you guys were talking about you had children and such and, you know, and the concept of putting them to bed. Right. So let me riff on this real quick. <laughs> um, that's kind of where this concept of bedtime stories at twilight, right? Mm. So the twilight language that we have that is associated with the stars that tells Folklore, the story in the heavens. Fairy tales. We yeah. have the, yes, exactly. And so we're reading, ideally we should be reading these stories regardless of what culture you are, everybody has their own, but you know, if I had a child, I would be reading them Genesis, you know, take get, get them a bedtime story of Genesis. And if they're a young, young child, what are they going to have in their crib? What a mobile, right? A mobile, yeah. Well, that is the Maseroth. That's, that's the circle of animals. And so it, they're all there to tell mm-hmm. a story, man. <laughs> that's so interesting. And so that, yeah and that, and that is that. The twilight language yeah um wow. so i'm glad i got the opportunity to mention that because when yeah. you guys were talking about the children I, I wrote that down as a note but um that's great so you know and and that's another thing that we're supposed to do is like look at god as our father right and so in a way every time we study the word even though we're adults we're his children and so um we kind of have to be that way as children they get into heaven it says so uh if we got to kind of restore that innocence in a way and and go back to that hearing a bedtime story kind of vibe i guess is what i'm trying to say but there's something very um parental about that god the father giving us these stories (laughs) i I just found it funny um so to uh kind of summarize day one uh he's he's creating the light um and and from from this aspect i kind of think that we gathered that there must be space there must be heavens in order for these lights to be there and the zodiac gives us these times it's our our basically our sky clock in the sky uh would you guys agree with that or disagree and then we can go on to day two yeah, well, it seems to me, first of all, the expanse is what it says in my version, which I think okay. is interesting. If you if you look at um, like a video game, when we design a video game, right, or whatever, you have like a map and it sort of generates as you go to save on computing power. Mm-hmm. And I almost think when I hear expanse, that's what it seems like. It's like there's an infinite amount of reality out there, but it's, you know, it, it would only develop essentially as we got further. Uh, that's just one, one perspective as I hear the word expanse that makes <laughs> sense to me. Um, and then I think our eyes like can the only lights and everything take in so much. So well, even, even the closer we get even to that the light, the better we can see it. Yeah. And even the scientists say, right, it takes a long time for the light to get to us. Right. So mm. it's like, we're seeing it on a delay, you know? Yeah. Totally. Uh, so I think, I think that's interesting. And it seems like, you know, the lights and everything are set up within this expanse. Uh, so I think, you know, some people say there's a firmament. I think that's interesting for debate. I'm curious if Joshua has any insight a, on like the original Hebrew. That'll be our next 
That'll be day two. Doesn't say that's quite literally the next verse. Yeah. <laughs> but before uh, we move on, I will comment on what he said. Uh, if you really think about it, you know, space is perhaps just all these raw materials. I mean, if you're God's, his business is creating, then you know, odds are he's probably somewhere else doing the same exact thing. It's it's his, it's his one of his uh, jobs apparently, <laughs> and I I think that kind of makes the concept interesting too of like well he's going to come back at some point after he's out there doing his labor because when Jesus uh, left he makes the comment about how he's mm. going to prepare us uh, a place and a man and that his what father's kingdom had many mansions if it were not so he wouldn't have told you so and so uh you can kind of think of mansions in heaven as houses zodiacs referred to as that as houses Mm -hmm. so i think in a lot of ways the kingdom of heaven is anywhere but earth (laughs) um essentially speaking so Mm. yeah yeah that separateth between i also think it's it's interesting that it seems like God saith, let light be and light is. So he, it seems like he's making light. Uh, that's kind of the gist I get anyways. But then he says, and God separates between the light and the darkness. So, and in the verse previous, it says the earth hath existed waste and void and darkness is on the face of the deep. So it seems like darkness is there and God is bringing the light, right? Like you were mm-hmm. saying, I think that's just, uh, just to kind of so nail that is point. God the light. Well, it's it. It's energy as well. Well, yeah. God saith, let light be. So it seems like he, there is intent to me. And then he's saying, let light be. So mm-hmm. it seems to me God is sort of an intent form uh, that is outside of our our known existence, what we know of as reality. Yeah. That's my, my take. Like he's letting us exist. Yeah, he's saying it right like we can people are now using uh, ai to speak code and then it generates a like a reality like a you Mm -hmm. know like a a video game or whatever you want to do an animation so that's kind of how i interpret it right that's like in a different existence like the creatures within that game are very different than us outside of it speaking it into existence Mm -hmm. well it's very similar to to giving an ai a text prompt and then it generates based on mm-hmm. that. Of course, that's a slightly different concept of what, what we're, but it's similar in a way mm-hmm. too. Because, like you said, uh, t- um, it also reminds me too of the whole matrix concept. Because uh, when you get into studying Hebrew, there's the concept of the three mothers um, mm. in the Hebrew language, which are the mothers to all the words and all every letter every word and um and what i think is very interesting about that is it's a sign of this motherly kind of quality and aspect and collectively it's referred to as the matrix so the words themselves create the reality and just like here we we're seeing in genesis the words were spoken and thus reality was created from them so there's like this inextricable link between the spoken word and and the act of creation it's really quite something. Yeah. But another point I wanted to make here was where it talks about the light being created. Well, could I mean, one thing to consider is which perspective is that? Because from our perspective, we only perceive a very, very small part of the electromagnetic spectrum. 
we can only hear a certain frequency of the electromagnetic spectrum. So it almost seems to suggest that here on Earth is indeed a very, very special place where all these elements combine, not just combine in a way that supports life, but also in a way everything perfectly converges in the creation of the human being. Like after all of this creation, he'll create man. And that's where, you know, we're in just that right sliver of existence and perception that we can perceive the creation too. So I think as this continues, we got to keep in mind too, that as this, uh, it wasn't just creation, you know, it was being, it was already planned out and then it's being, so before the words, it was a thought. So you're talking about the intent a moment ago and um, the intent is there mapping out the plan and the mind. So the mind of God is thinking about this stuff and then speaking it. So I, don't know, I just wanted to make I, that point too, because I had a thought me. about that as you're saying that too. And uh, maybe um, the reason why we hear what we hear, uh, because, you know, God said, you guys are so noisy. I'm tired of you guys, <laughs> yeah. humans being so noisy. <laughs> uh, maybe our speech is in the same vibrational pattern as as him that he can hear it uh because you know when we hear cows or we hear birds or we hear insects a uh, crying child them, but but are they actually speaking to each other some uh you know they say that birds are by their different calls or whatever saying different things to each other so but we can't actually we can hear the noise but we can't hear what they're saying we you know we can't tell what they're saying so maybe it's just because it's it's massed in a different vibration. So these different vibrational speeches of or patterns uh, can be heard by that other being within that vibration, but not ones outside of it. So God getting mad at humans being noisy would mean that he's almost in our same <laughs> vibrational frequency that he can hear our prayers or our thoughts. And we're, he's like, oh, quit it already. That's interesting because in the Sumerian story, there's the talk of, I think it's uh, Anzu or Absu or something like that. He he complains that humans, or, or not humans, but uh, some of the other demigods in this creation epic, he, they're too loud. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then humanity's too loud. And a lot of these ways that they wipe out humanity is because they get too loud and cacophonous. And uh, so it's interesting that you mentioned it that way. It's like dad's getting mad. Yeah. <laughs> so he's just going to wipe the slate clean. <laughs> or or maybe it's uh, not that we're loud. We're maybe it's uh, the things that we're doing are, 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 are against his will. And that's making, yeah, him exactly. That, that, mm -hmm. that type of loudness, not getting along annoying. It's hard to hear that. Like his children are, doing that when he's didn't want that for humanity you know what i mean instead yeah. of all singing the universe the one song we're all in discord yeah ah yeah it's not harmonious the one song well, one thing i've often thought of is you know the tower of babel that's often looked at as you know why would god destroy it seems like humanity was coming together and things like that but 
it, it was because of their pride and it seemed like they were a prideful, you know, it wasn't like, I think God would almost have allowed it if it was like they were resonating right and they were being kind and compassionate and loving and peaceful and joyful. Uh, but it seems like that wasn't the atmosphere of the people that were coming together. So I think that's <laughs> something to be, uh, that's, that's something that's interesting, right? Like maybe we could still get there, but we if we get there with the right attitude. Yeah. Well, they were actually uh, some of the, I know I keep bringing up the Sumerian stuff, but it, it parallels a lot. Yeah, it does. Um, but there's stories in the Sumerians uh, stories about the, um, what is it? Nippur, uh, I think it's called. It's the yeah. cloud city of, of Enlil. Uh -huh. And uh, there's some reason to speculate, I guess, that the tower was trying to reach his cloud city. And that when we read in here, I know it's a little later since we're talking about it. it. It talks about how they're building the tower and they're looking down on them saying, Hey, you know, look, they can accomplish anything that they want. Um, but really what they were trying to do is go up there to kill them <laughs> and to rebel. Uh, and they didn't want to be perished in another flood. So they were trying to, so really they were building the tower out of um, disobedience. So rather than just obey God so he wouldn't have to destroy them again, they will build a tower out of defiance and kill, uh, try to kill God so they don't ever have to worry about another flood. And so that yeah, kind of attitude has persisted yeah, into the days uh, we're in now. Well, that more, that kind of backs up the thing we were talking about, what we were talking about last week, right, with perhaps... You know, the sort of Old Testament God, a lot of the time, some of the stories were mistaken or uh, misinterpreted from these other uh, demigods, perhaps Enlil and Enki. Is that kind of what you're maybe hinting at? Well, I don't like to say definitively that this person's this, or, you know, because that no, gets no, tricky. For sure. But like, is that kind of so we have a similar story, right? The the Bible was talking about and then we yeah, have a, very, but a more specific version it actually increased my faith, if anything. Yeah. I mean, it didn't, I didn't feel like it necessarily contradicted a exactly. lot of things. I felt like it, it kind of added some depth and perspective because for in a lot of, I mean, it's still, it's written down. <laughs> I mean, we, we venerate the Dead Sea Scrolls and stuff like that just because they're, they exist you know, and they're written down. Well, these clay tablets are laying around and most of them are not even deciphered. And that's what I think is so crazy is <laughs> what little we even know about these folks are some of these stories that we're talking about right now. And like, there's so many more <laughs> that nobody even has a clue. Mm -hmm. And, and what we do know is that there are Kings lists and that's some of the stuff that has been decoded. And some of these rulers existed for what they call scars a scar was like a period of 3600 years or something like that and some of these rulers ruled for multiple scars so i think the work yeah. that was taking place here on the earth at this time when we're reading about this in genesis i think that's what they were doing was that over long periods of time they were here laboring on earth to create what we here take for granted i think because they did all the backbreaking labor, you know, but those were a totally different creature. You know, those were like alien type, what we think of as an alien, I think, 
mm. uh, giants and who knows they probably looked a little similar to us in terms of being humanoid but clearly they were much more strong and we, you know we, we don't know how anything got built back in the day well i think it was you know 30 foot tall giants and <laughs> stuff like that I, you know i think it's interesting that we can read uh five lines from the bible and have a whole hour conversation about well, the but that's the beauty of it. i mean yeah. that's it's it's beautiful that's what the whole point is it gets you to think right you know uh get you to use your brain and get you to speculate get you to understand uh it's thought provoking uh there's there's so much to it and it's just so basically a paragraph <laughs> yeah yeah um do you guys want to get to day two yeah you mentioned yeah. the firmament i think that's verse six um, yep uh so i switched to the niv bible um i think it's good if if we kind of all read out of different ones uh just to kind of put it together the different uh variations uh because i think that's also fascinating um so number six uh one six and god said let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water so god made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it and it was so god called the vault sky and there was evening and there was morning the second day and god and one nine and god said let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear and it was so god called the dry ground land and gathered the waters he called seas and god saw that was good then god said let the land produce vegetation seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds and it was so the land produced vegetation plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed in according to their kinds god saw it was good and there was evening and there was morning the third day so here we have day two and he's separating the waters uh, from the sky and from the ground this is a very interesting verse because this is what a lot of uh, flat earth people will bring up. A firmament is usually what is said in the other text, not the vault. Uh, but it does say under the vault um, from the water above it. And it was so God called the vault sky. So when he says vault, he's talking about the night sky or firmament meaning night sky uh what do you guys think about this verse do you have uh you want to read out from other ones too see the differences yeah joshua did you have anything i i do have that uh link that you put in the chat up here on let there be an expanse in the midst yeah that's the uh, hebrew word rakia well i'm assuming that's how it's pronounced <laughs> but uh yeah i just figured since that was a interesting concept i would share the word and it also shows that it shows up in ezekiel 122 as well 
Um, so really it sounds like the word for space actually like we were talking earlier oh and one other thought i had lingering from day one was that day one was a there was a beginning and an ending in day one mm-hmm. and that was morning and evening and so the very dawn of genesis is kind of like a bookend for the very last day of revelation which is evening so in a way i know it's many days in between (laughs) but what i think is interesting and how every single day after day one even though there was different things created each day more or less it's building on the first day and so everything's kind of repeating itself over and over and over again um but in miniature cycles and different ways and so like what we have today is you know goes all the way back to the day one and uh so that's why i think ragnarok which translates as twilight of the gods is appropriate in my opinion because um, at the end of the week you also see that we end on a friday with the creation story and then there's the the rest well that too would be like the twilight of creation you know you began on the first sunday with the creation of light and then on the last day there's rest on friday and that's your twilight uh, saturday is rest though right it's friday evening actually oh yeah sundown on friday Mm. so that's because hebrews look at it night first is that right is that why well uh yeah it's lunar calendar yeah Mm. Which, if you think about it, there, um, I know again, and I'm always getting ahead of myself here, but they spent a lot of time in Egypt. And so, if you think about as slaves in Egypt, their labor was under the sun. And so, at night, they were given rest from their labor. So, it, uh, the nighttime kind of also represented this merciful aspect. And, and then, of course, they were raptured out of Egypt under a full moon, um, no less. So again, this merciful aspect is kind of shown there as well. Um, so Which I think again goes back to Genesis because the moon is one of the things created there. It's interesting that it, it each each day ends with and then there was evening and there was morning the second day or the first day and does it for all the days. Uh, I watched this video on Instagram earlier, <laughs> and the lady was talking about how we don't finish our tasks we go to sleep uh and then we get up and we don't make our bed so that task doesn't actually get finished we don't finish our sleep because we didn't put it uh the bed back together again so in a way like this idea of creating or creating and then finishing your task that day is like how you fulfill is fulfillment is how you fulfill yourself. So by opening a jar of pickles and putting it on the counter, but if you don't put it away, then you didn't finish that task. So by closing it back up, putting it back in the refrigerator, you finish that task. Now you can move to the next one and then you'll have fulfillment because if you just left it on the counter, then you're, you're constantly going, Oh, I need to put those away. I should put those away. Uh, after this, I'll put it away and you don't ever do it. And so you, you don't reach that uh, fulfillment and that doesn't fill your 
fulfill your uh dopamine or your whatever uh inside of you to reward center yeah to feel like you accomplished something so it's about having that sense of accomplishment too i just thought it was interesting and it kind of pertained to this a little bit so just thought it that's beautiful yeah i think that's beautiful insight into a piece of god's nature that the complete aspect of it i love that it also made me think of maybe he was beta testing things as first i'm going to create the heavens and the earth all right that looks everything looks pretty stable and good (laughs) let's turn some light on in this place so i can see what i'm doing all right now let's do this you know so it's 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 pretty logical and practical too when you think about it like in a workshop almost yeah what i've always (laughs) said i think the holy spirit is sort of like the the software update and you know we can choose to upgrade if we want or not you know and and that's kind of how i look at it he's not going to force his will on everyone but him entering into the world that he created and showing his perfect will is like the the best way to do that in my opinion, without kind of ruining the experiment or the the game or whatever you want to call it, right? I think it's kind of everything, but yeah. And it, another thing here is it never. I don't think we're going to see where it mentions that uh, Jesus Christ was created, and that's I think he's the light that was created because it does talk about the light, and so but because uh, we're also taught that Christ was. Um, the lamb slain at the foundation of the world. We're very familiar with the death on the cross, but there's also another one mentioned at the foundation of the earth. So the very first thing that was done was the light was created and then apparently slain as like a consecration of some sort, um, which I find very interesting because you see that in the Zoroastrian creation myth too that um, well, it's very provocative thought to me so you, you could, think, could be the light you could think of this created yeah you could think of that as the, the the sun the day uh going into night uh in a lot of the mythologies they all talk about how uh like set chased raw and they always battled and you know they hmm. it was that continuous battle between uh, the the night coming in and the day leaving, and vice versa. So you could think of uh, the light being slain as like when the sun goes down and then the night is there, and that twilight is when you kind of can see both of them at the same time. Where the sun, um, there's a little bit of darkness, but the sun is still there. It's you know it's uh it's that in between, that mercurial feeling. Well, yeah, like and it seems equinox. like God's not God's not destroying darkness. He's He's coming in and creating a space, but still allowing darkness to live. Uh, in this in the text here, it's saying that and God seeth the light that it is good, but He never says that about the darkness necessarily. Mm-hmm. So it it just seems <laughs> like you know He's kind of creating uh, this environment and this place, but He's not destroying what already existed. And to me, that also shows just His sort of uh, merciful nature. And that's a good point about the things that are good because he doesn't say everything's good. In fact, I'm not sure if he says that about man or not. But uh, most of the things he creates, he says are good. But that was very interesting to point out about darkness. Well, it's interesting too not, that not having that. 
evening is has Eve in it, and yeah, uh, right. she's she's the one that eats the fruit, and the evening is like the beginning of the darkness. Um, the so fall. if you think about yeah, if you think about Eve eating the apple and that being like the the original sin, then the evening could have been the first dark, winter darkness setting in is the <laughs> beginning of the bad. What do you guys think of the fact that we're separating the waters? So it seems like there's waters above, waters below. I think that's a a great uh, question to dive into. That was a good pun. Good question to dive into. Waters Anything? above and below. Because <laughs> a lot of people think that, you know, maybe space, maybe space is water. Uh, but I think what we're reading here is that space is the separation of water, actually. more. I mean, maybe you could look at that as almost an oil. I don't know. I think that I've, I've cared for a lot of terrariums and aquariums and just all that experience has kind of given me, obviously I don't want to, I don't want to sound hubristic, but it kind of gives you the perspective that you think God would have. Like you're looking down into this enclosed environment and everything's just perfect in there. And, you know, it's all maintained by you you know have you guys had terrariums or no, anything like I that not. i don't know I how not, okay <laughs> well anyway. i know it. i can visualize it I know yeah. well i was trying to connect on this level because for instance every creature in there i knew like where they were usually at all times you know what i mean like they were my beloveds and I had like newts and toads and fish and all sorts of different creatures from time to time. And I just imagine that as God's creating his creatures, you know, he has a deep affection for them, just like the humans too. So in a lot of ways, I, whatever this is, <laughs> I think it's a huge terrarium. And of course, it's an enclosure in that case. And why would you have it enclosed? I'll tell you what, guys. One of the most terrible things, and it would happen often, somehow these creatures would get out of their tank, out of the terrarium. And when they did that, I was so upset. I'd More than a couple times, I'd find my newt, who I had for six years or more. Um, he'd somehow get out and travel all over the house. And, of course, he could have died numerous times. So I think it's funny that... You know, we're given this big and tank uh, tank or an enclosure, and what do we do? Just like with the Tower of Babel, they're always trying to get out. <laughs> you know, and uh, I think that's kind of funny too, because you know we're too dangerous to let out because we'll destroy everything we touch. You know, so in a, in a way, it's like we're kind of like pit bulls in a way. <laughs> you know. Uh, he wants to keep us around because he loves us, but we're too violent. And so I think that part of this is that we're, we're created in this enclosure for our own good, but also because we haven't really earned the right to not be here. Um, kind of like the sin conversation earlier about with all that power and knowledge that we gained from the tree of knowledge, we had to have a shorter life because we weren't good enough to exist with it. You know, we didn't have the proper discernment. Um, but I think the firmament itself 
there there could be like a a thick glass a lot of times is what it's characterized as that's somewhat impenetrable and you kind of get some insight into this too when it talks about the flood story about how different portals were opened up to let waters in from the above waters but then the deep had like valves or spigots or something like that that were also loosened so water came up from the deep but also from the top um so it would suggest that you know the world or earth as we know it is more or less this you know bubble <laughs> right and in, in a bunch of water uh, which just kind of boggles my mind to think of like what actually is going on here <laughs> you know like and that but again that's what's so like i really kind of get giddy over it a little bit too is that maybe one of the things god did to prove he is god is like you know what i'm going to do something so ridiculous that you, you watch this angels you don't think that this is possible well wham <laughs> something out of nothing just floating in the middle of all this chaos and it's like just because he can you know so i think part of it is kind of charming too because you know it almost doesn't people always think it has to make sense and i'm thinking no it doesn't <laughs> in fact it probably would defy our understanding if we truly knew what was really going on here but but things that kind of make me wonder though about the permeability of the firmament, for instance, are meteorites, for instance. If it weren't for stuff like that, there would still be so much speculation about what's really going on. But but once in a while, we do get space debris and stuff coming through. So even if space is a lie or whatever, you know, we can't actually leave, then what about the things that actually come to us? And then we can kind of see the moon, too, looking very puckmarked from you know, meteorites perhaps. So mm -hmm. I would wonder if maybe the firmament's actually a lot bigger. Yeah. Like it's actually off planet, you know, it could be. Oh yeah. Totally. Much, much larger. Maybe the entire solar system is actually within the right. firmament. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. We're just in some sort of weird thing that God created, you know, within yeah. everything else. And uh, I think I'm that's kind of pretty cool go ahead i'm kind of into the the bubble idea where the universe <laughs> itself is uh all-encompassing bubble so when we look out beyond we're only seeing uh, a part of the cosmos but eventually it wraps back around just like a like the earth would if it's a globe right so uh when it's saying it's the, the separating the water from above the vault as well as below which is the vault it says right there is the sky so it has water outside of the sky and within so the sky that we see is all the stars and it's the sun and the moon so beyond that there's also water so perhaps we right. are mm -hmm. in some way surrounded uh by water but outside of the this universe that we are able to perceive like we can't even understand the the depth of the universe so who knows to say how what, what else is out there beyond 
what we see or what we think we know. Um, there's one more thing I wanted to mention here, and it talks about in verse nine, and God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so, mm -hmm. um, so th again, I think I mentioned this last time, but the uh, pyramid is basically meant to, um, be a reference to this first mound of earth. And so it might have very well been upon that, that that was the first altar that was ever created. Because after the flood, um, Noah and his three sons exit the ark and Shem creates an altar out of rocks. And that's the first thing he does, create an altar out of the earth. And so I think that kind of is almost like a um, reference back to Genesis where, you know, that piece of earth that emerges out of the deep could very well have been the first altar. And um, before we get off the topic of the heavens and the moon and the waters, it's not mentioned here, but I've always speculated about did the moon have water on it at one time? And the reason I think that is because, well, it kind of would make sense, I guess, <laughs> you know, if you got this big ball of fire, why wouldn't you have a big ball of water? And, uh, and the, and the flood was, you know, all that water being poured off into the earth. So I wondered if maybe the moon poured some of that water off as well. And the first destruction, because the second destruction is supposed to be by fire, in which case I think the sun might pour its fire onto the earth like the moon did sort of. So anyway, as we're reading through this maybe think about that because it's like he created these things knowing that he was going to use them to destroy the earth <laughs> at the same time. You know, I think that's pretty fascinating uh, that, that you said that also uh, because usually the moon is associated with um, females and the, uh, the waters, right. And, and water is associated yeah. with female and uh, the creation of, uh, of human and uh, even our children of coming from the waters uh of of mm -hmm. you know pregnancy or, uh, so or water broke yeah exactly, exactly. so well the we idea we're born the, able to swim yeah exactly and the idea yes. of walk so the idea of the moon having water uh it, that's very interesting to me like maybe it did have some type of um what would have what would it have looked like yeah. can you imagine yeah <laughs> i mean wow i just yeah. love to think about that that's me, interesting that's such a provocative thought like before the flood and there was also a time here in genesis that um before the flood it says that there was a mist above the ground and that it never rained so when the yeah. flood started that's the first time it had ever rained that's where so the I rainbow think, came from yeah yep. well, at the end <laughs> which is which is known as odin's bridge right is there any connection there now the Bifrost Bridge to Asgard, yeah, Rainbow yeah. Bridge, yeah, yeah. I mean, so was there? Do we think there was some sort of physical nature that was changed that uh, allowed for the rainbow? Like, if we think about that, like, what would that look like? Yeah, well, well, you can only you can only get a rainbow at forty two degrees. Um, it's just like our perfect convergence of sight and sound that we are as humans. You have to have that perfect 
combination of moisture in the air and light hitting it at a 42 degree angle which is actually the same number of generations as jesus christ 42 generations and then jesus yeah. came well 42 degrees you get the rainbow <laughs> which is the promise that he'll never again destroy the earth with a flood but he will do it with fire next and christ talks about that coming judgment when he's here on earth and um, mm-hmm. it's kind of within the context of the parable of the fig tree so i that's one, another reason i kind of think it's the sun and the moon kind of in these roles because in revelation it talks about the sun even pouring out its wrath actually oh. um so I, I don't know I, it's just that, really cool that's fascinating that's something i'm gonna uh ponder on for a while probably uh because yeah well and if 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 you see this symbolism and we were water wouldn't that create a rainbow from earth to the moon or could it create a rainbow from the earth to the moon oh dude yeah that that's hmm yeah maybe it went to the moon right you're right oh and if you see the symbol of the crying eye we often see the eye of providence oh Um, yeah which is like the big eye, right? Well, if you ever see tears coming out of it, I think that is a reference to the flood where wow. um, God wept over having to destroy the earth and all mm. the people because he didn't want to do it. Interesting. Yeah. So that, that uh, brings like a whole continue? new, that brings a whole new meaning to that, that second thing though, the waters above and the waters below that's uh that's fascinating yeah yeah i mean fuck i mean it 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 does there could have been water on the moon or it could have been water but it does still seem like there's waters above even that Mm -hmm. because it seems like the the moon is within the expanse as we know it right right yeah and they refer to that as a naval law um like the birth canal birth certificates you get into all that stuff too about the theory of law and how it all comes from admiralty law sea law mm-hmm. and, i mean it's really quite strange so i think they're probably in heaven quote unquote they're using that law <laughs> it's a mariner law it's really quite an interesting topic i would recommend reading about it yeah law comes from tribe of dan lair and lair uh yeah and land air and water <laughs> The snake, the eagle, and the horse. Oh, so what's the horse? Land? Yep. And then eagles, air, and then what was water? Uh, the serpent, the sea serpent. So interesting. Thank you. I did not know that. I don't know it for a fact. That's just my... <laughs> my well, I heard about the horse and the snake. Yeah. And I guess the eagle makes sense too, but I just didn't realize that they, you just really put it together for me. So I just hadn't made that connection yet. Yeah, because usually they often talk about the sea serpent, right? And it's swallowing mm-hmm. the sun. Or um, even there's like a interesting story of Thor and how he was lifting up this cat, but he couldn't get all its paws oh, yeah. off of it. And then then they say, well, that is like the waters of the earth. You can't, you can't lift up all the waters. It'll just... Uh, it'll always stay. You can only get one of the paws up, I think, is what it was. Yeah. Yeah. 
but which it, I kind of saw as Leo, the constellation Leo, mm, perhaps as well. Which also which has to do I with think, Dan. Uh huh. Yeah, they went to Leish and made their name there, but Leish in, in Hebrew means lion. Oh, okay, like the lion's den, lion's lair. Yep. The den, yeah. Dude, okay, I feel you. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's that was a fascinating one about the water. That's still blowing my mind. Um, <laughs> that's great. I love this, man. Um, and then so I did uh, mistakenly read part three, uh, but do we want to get into the let the land produce vegetarian vegetation, seed bearing plants? Um, that's pretty self explanatory. If you guys have anything to add on that, we can add or we can uh, go to the next one, number 14. Uh, yeah, well, let's see. It was at verse 11. Yeah. That's about yeah. the grass and the seed. Yeah, can I read it just real quick? Yeah, go ahead. And God saith, let the earth yield tender grass, herbs sowing seed, fruit tree whose seed is in itself, making fruit after its kind on the earth, and it is so. And the earth bringeth forth tender grass, herbs sowing seed after its kind, and tree making fruit after its kind, and God seeth that it is good. Um, yeah, I guess that is pretty self-explanatory, but I did want to just cover it. Figure we might as well get the full context. I don't know. Mm-hmm. As I was reading, did anyone did it, anything stand out? Um, it's kind of yeah, like uh, we're, we're we're he's building upon what he has already had. So now that he from the bottom up, and so now this is the vegetation. Uh, this needs to be around for everything. This is the sustenance for everything else to live. So without this, there's no life also. So, uh, you know, the light itself and the waters are creating this sustenance uh, for us to be able to feed on later when we get into the later days. Yeah, us and it seems like probably also the animals. The animals, yes. The creatures. Which comes next, right? The animal. Uh, yeah, so I think, what was that? Uh, that was tw- 11 and 12. I can just keep going if you want. And 13, 14. Well, may I uh, mention something first? Yeah. Oh, yeah, please. Um, so if we, I know this is in the New Testament, but um, if you go to, I think it's Matthew seven sixteen, it talks about, um, ye shall know them by their fruits. Mm. A man does not gather uh figs from thistles or grapes from thorns. And so that's an interesting philosophy. I would almost say it's a hermetic principle almost (laughs) that, uh, you know, something begets itself. It begets its kind. And so if you spend a lot of time researching topics like this, one thing I've always found is, if you trace the symbolism back, you'll eventually find its root. And what's a root about a seed, right? So um, I think that this is a really interesting thing. It's, it's established in Genesis. And um, that's one of the things we're told to look for is like, well, you know, judge them by their fruits, right? And you'll know what kind of spirits in them or whatever. So this kind of principle is something that was established. It's almost like a law of nature in a sense. 
course we talk about yeah. gravity and other things, <laughs> but here's a, a interesting principle that I've always kind of been interested in. So for instance, when researching tribe of Dan, you know, just like you mentioned, there's the horse snake and Eagle. Well, those would be considered like their fruits. So mm -hmm. anywhere they went, you're going to see their path because right. they're sowing their seeds as they go, you know? So yeah. um, I find that this works in a lot of ways, not just with these topics, but in a lot of things in life, you can kind of apply this uh, seed plant tree thing. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, this comes up also with the story of Adam and Eve, because there were fruits on that tree, too. Um, so the tree of life was a life-giving tree, which means its fruit would be life-giving. But then there was the tree of knowledge and good and evil, which brought death, because that tree apparently had good and bad fruits on it, but we lacked the discernment to know which mm. were which. And so Eve ended up picking a fruit that brought death apparently that's how the story goes so i think you know just seeing that we kind of gloss over it because it's just a couple verses but i think really it's packed when you so i'm probably going to go back to the hebrew now yeah, like <laughs> you know later and like look at it more carefully and see where that those themes maybe crop up no pun intended <laughs> later I, on i know i do i uh yeah that was good um um to to bring that up because uh yeah like you you can tell a, a man's um intentions by the fruit that they bear so are, are they mm -hmm. are they sowing good deeds are they cropping up good crops or are they um this kind of gets into transhumanism to me too like um uh, the the synthetic versions of everything that we are consuming now um maybe that's probably not so good as well. Maybe we should be consuming things that came from seeds uh, in, in their true form rather than in... Um, GMO. Yeah, like, you know... Well, there's, I mean? there's good knowledge and bad knowledge, right? Yeah. It, it and seems that too. Like, so there's things, there's things, and I think that's why having that discernment is so important, and that is a great verse that you brought up. That's Matthew 7, 15 through 20 uh, for people wondering. I'll just read it real quick. A good yeah, tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Wherefore, by their fruits, ye shall know them. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and so we have a lot of, you brought up the symbols, right? We have so many symbols that have been flip-flopped, used uh, for different means and methods by the people, just depending on their sort of, uh, interpretation of the symbol so i think knowing their fruits is super important and and looking almost past the symbol right like what are the actual words and the actions that they're doing uh and does that align with what you're trying to resonate with yeah and and i think another area where i've started to kind of recognize this is like with the celebrities for instance and they're always flashing symbols and stuff and so there's another example of where well, if you look for the certain fruits, you're going to trace it back and that's, and they kind of all worship the same entity exactly. apparently. <laughs> and because of that spiritual influence they have on them, I, I think this is a kind of an aspect of it too, is that certain spirits cause fruit of their own, um, whatever it might be. I think different spirits probably resonate on different frequencies and have different fruits, but 
but uh, we'll see that in the book of Enoch, for instance, that a lot of them taught us things that we weren't supposed to know. You worthless know, wisdom, I think, is the term they use in Enoch, and I love that. Yeah, that really opened my mind. Wisdom. It was like, yeah, there's <laughs> things that seem knowledgeable and, and they have application, but they may not be what's actually best for me or for society. Uh, I think that's why in the story of the building of the temple, uh, Solomon was instructed to use certain materials that could not be used for war. Uh, the myth goes that he was mm -hmm. asked to use the Shamir worm, which was oh, like this creature that dude. could, you know, uh, love the story things, by the way so. <laughs> yeah that's a super cool story and we can get into it maybe at a another day or i have some i've chatted with it on my channel sometimes but yeah, yeah. the beautiful well, thing about the was... shamir worm is the fact that they are observing nature and they're seeing what nature does and then they're replicating nature rather than mm -hmm. creating their own nature or synthetically right creating something they're seeing oh this bird knows to go get this worm to uh break the glass or <laughs> to melt the glass so that it can get to its eggs we should be like mm -hmm. the bird that's like the bird language right right yeah we should be working to integrate with nature and and instead of damming everything up you know uh, you see a lot of buildings and shapes in the skylines uh, that don't necessarily, like, it's very obvious they don't flow with nature, right? It's, mm -hmm. you see nature, it's very organic and round and, you know, there's a lot of um, fluidity to it versus it seems like a lot of modern architecture. There's a lot of, you know, Freemasons love their hard angles, <laughs> it seems like. <laughs> Because uh, they really have, have architected our whole mm -hmm. um, society, it seems like, and that's their whole thing—the square and compass, right? That hard angle. It almost seems like they're trying to recreate, like I mentioned, part of their ritual is this light thing. So it almost as if they see themselves as the builders of society and the builders mm -hmm. of world. It's kind of mm -hmm. harkening back to Genesis. I mean, you know, that the that's room really interesting. I, I you know how they have the—it's like the G in the middle mm -hmm. sorry to finish that point they have the g in the middle the all the grand architect right uh which seems like in alignment with a lot of things but you know it seems like there's a lot of symbology of them removing the capstone and, and to me it seems like they're trying to remove the grand architect and and make themselves the grand architect that's kind of the the fruit that i see anyway when i look at the situation and the, that's like the back of the dollar bill is like the capstone being removed right yeah. uh if if I'm going to go to like a different direction here, but the, yeah, that's okay. the square being the angle and the circle uh, being what's encompassing that angle, uh, like the raw is the radius, which is the sun. And then um, you have the circumferences, circumnavigation. So all over the world or all over the circle. So, the, the, and the perfect relationship of the sun and the moon because so, that's how you have eclipses after all yeah perfect so you measure. have the angle is the angel of the circle with the circle of heaven or the 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 heavenly land or the realm or whatever you want to call it but it's it's the angle within the circle so it's it's basically uh if you think of the arctic uh it could be the Arctic Circle with the angles in it. Well, you could also say it's the arc. Uh, yes. A certain amount of degrees around a circle is an arc. So you are your arc angels. 
Mm-hmm. Your archangels. Yeah. And, you know, interesting topic that we're on because one of the ideas of principalities crops up a lot in the Bible and how the fallen angels actually rule different areas on the earth. And that's their principality. There's supposed to be about 70 of them, but then they also have like uh, demons under them, of course, ruling smaller and smaller principalities. But that's another thing is that in Genesis, I think it's 126 authority is given to man over all of the kingdoms and principalities. And then, um, that's what's taken away from us in the story of original sin. And that began the eternal struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, do you guys have anything more to add to the third day of vegetation? Or we can get into the fourth and fifth day. I want to try to finish all the days before we finish this show. Because um, we got about 15 minutes before it gets to the two hour mark. Do you guys have enough time to go through these last two or do you want to just yeah, do one more? Think we, yeah, let's try and power through it. All right. Uh, let's go to um, where are we at now? The uh, 14? Yeah. Do you want me to and read or do you want to go for it? I'll go with uh, this was this yours earlier. NIV. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God sent them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth to govern the day and the night and to separate the light from darkness. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. We, we did talk about this a little bit already, uh, but we can talk about it some more too. Um, yeah, just one quick thing I did note, and we might've mentioned it, but it, it, light and the stars are very much separate. So that's <laughs> what I gathered from that verse is, you know, the light was made, but then the luminaries are, is what my translation says, they are used to help provide light. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to make that distinction. Because a lot of times people, I think, will see, will hear, let God said, let there be light. And I think they oftentimes visualize, oh, that means the sun, right? That me- Or that means, but it seems like light existed. And then he created the luminaries to help channel that light. Yeah. Joshua. I I agree. And 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 that's what I thought was so interesting about the light in the beginning is that it seems like to me that's probably um the logos or Christ. And in, in the story of what is it, uh Thoth the Atlantean was his story of Poimandres, where he's talking to the the source or whatever he's he, his conversation with him. He says that the first cause was uh, uh, named reason. And so I kind of think of this too, this light that was created as being like the, um, the spark of reason that was created um, like the first cause or first thought. But anyway, and we go back to 
verse 14 and reading about the lights well down in 16 it talks about the two great lights mm-hmm. um, that the greater one rules the day that's the sun of course and the lesser light to rule the night and of course that comes with the stars um, so in the masonic lodge there are what they call the three great lights in masonry mm-hmm. and that is the um holy bible square and compass and of course they represent the sun the moon and the word which is the other light that we're seeing here in um verse three so the word i would i would assume with that rationale there the word itself is the third light it's really quite remarkable which of course is the stars so you got the sun the moon and the stars which is also the the language the words could that be yeah it seems like the sun and the the sun the moon and polaris which is the northern light and then uh the sun and the moon and the earth which is the the luminary that we live on but if you connect those three lights together it kind of forms that our four lights it kind of creates the two triangles or the two uh different trinities right the the one between the moon the sun and earth and then the other trinity between the moon the sun and polaris mm-hmm. i was going to also yeah, bring up thing reason uh seems like re is sun or re ra's son um oh good catch um i know raya <laughs> from uh in the greek or roman or whatever she's the Zeus's wife. Yeah. So it, it her mother, could, actually. Yeah, the mother, the son's mother or the son's father, whichever way you want to look at it. It's still interesting that he's if he's the reason, uh, he's the raw son or the Rhea's son. He actually overthrows Kronos. Right. Rhea's help. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's interesting you'd bring that up because whenever uh, I study that parallel, um, when Rayef was uh, having his children, each of them was getting eaten by Kronos. He was devouring the children because of a prophecy that he would be overthrown by his children or whatever. Um, and so she gives him a stone wrapped in swaddling clothing to resemble a child and Cronus eats that stone thinking it's Zeus, but then Zeus grows mighty and overthrows him eventually and frees the others. Right. Um, but then what I th- think is so interesting is that that motif of the stone comes up so many times in the Bible. It's a stone that's used to slay Goliath. Well, stun him at least. And then David cuts his head off. It's a stone that, destroys the tower in Nebuchadnezzar's dream. It strikes the toes of clay and iron and shatters the tower. Um, We're given a stone in revelation by Jesus Christ. When we're born again, he gives us a stone and a new name, which I think is the pineal gland or the knowledge is power. uh, It can be. (laughs) Um, And in Genesis, when Jacob's wrestling the angel, he's given a new name as well. And so I think it, cause he overcomes the angel. 
So I really, and he names that place where that happened. He names that pineal. So you do oh, see the stone really? thing come up a lot. <laughs> yeah, man. And that's what I'm saying. It's, it, it's, it's almost overt. <laughs> like it's really in your face. And so I wonder sometimes if some of these stories that we know are actually referring back to things that God did or accomplished or something like that. I don't know. It's just something that I always wonder about like um, part of his personality or part of part of his story, you know, and of course we can get into that in later episodes when we talk about the heel, the heel itself is, mm. is packed full of symbolism to I see what you a mean lot now. of that in Genesis. Yeah, yeah, one of the first prophecies in Genesis is about the heel crushing the head of the serpent. Mm -hmm. I was saying that knowledge, that knowledge is power relating to the stone. Uh, but what you're saying is yeah. that the pineal gland is like our spiritual gland to antenna. Um, yeah, antenna. And so when it's mentioning the stone, it's referring to the pineal and and God's help in in doing these things yeah. or seeing the truth seeing through the lies seeing mm. having the eyes to see and ears to hear oh that's all right that's cool. and then if you don't keep his ways you're led into spiritual captivity which is more or less like having your light turned off well now that you're in darkness good luck you don't have anything to keep you from you're not going to know right from wrong you know yeah your discernment has left you captivity captivity you're singing that rivers of babylon song. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's i've heard the sublime version of that uh, Bo good. bob marley too yeah oh okay i'll have to listen to it sorry uh <laughs> no <laughs> go ahead but yeah sorry man oh i didn't have anything i'm good oh, i <laughs> thought you were scrolling wanting to read <laughs> oh no i'm just you know i like to have context here i can't even see what it's actually showing is it just displaying a full screen right now for you guys yeah, it's verse 22. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, we can keep going. Where were we at? Uh, 20. Yeah. 20. Go for it, no man. And God saith, let the waters teem with the teeming living creature, and fowl let fly on the earth on the face of the expanse of the heavens. And God prepareth the great monsters and every living creature that is creeping, which the waters have teemed with after their kind and every fowl with wing after its kind and god seeth that it is good and god blesseth them saying be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and the fowl that multiply in the earth and there is an evening and there is a morning day fifth there's the first commandment be fruitful and multiply mm -hmm. and so also it's um i'm i'm seeing kind here of its kind, kinds, meaning that whales are whales, birds are birds, and birds and whales shouldn't be getting together. Um, humans and animals kind shouldn't be getting together. Yeah. Kind kingdoms, right? These are like exactly. the different kingdoms, kind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good call. And that's what brought the judgment of the flood was the mixing of the kingdoms into chimeras and such yeah. abominations yeah. which is what we're seeing <laughs> happening in today yeah cool 
Um, you mentioned monsters. See, and yeah. mine is just talking about whales, but uh, so Leviathan and Behemoth would would fall into this category probably. Um, well, actually, not Behemoth because he's a land creature, but it seems like Leviathan would fall into this category, which comes up in Job and a few other places in the Bible. Um, Leviathan is this great sea monster. You mentioned the snake being mm-hmm. the water, but it really was a sea monster, you said. So maybe yep. it's not really a snake, but it's Leviathan that the, that they're actually depicting as their symbol. I think that would be interesting to yeah. consider. I've done a breakdown on the word. Uh, I'm trying to remember it, but... Oh, Leviathan? I, uh, well, great monster in this specific terminology i'm trying to remember i do think it had a relation to serpent if i remember correctly um i'll have to look into that I'll type in leviathan and see if it jives because that might be a might be a good fit real quick let me change this to my actual version lamentations uh levi the levites um, it's a priest yeah yeah this is a priestly class uh, but it's also in Leviathan. Um, I'm not sure if if that's a, a correlates or not, but interesting still that it's in the word because uh, the Levites um, in the Bible were the ones that kept the order of God too. Uh, they had to slay their own kind uh, because they were not keeping true to um, God's words uh, because they were mixing with other people that they weren't supposed to be mixing with, mm-hmm. which is interesting to me. That's why I pointed out kind, this birds and birds. So to me, humankind is all humans, no matter what ethnicity or race or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so it doesn't mean that, you know, black and white can't be together. Asian and Jewish people can't be together. Uh, to me, it seems like humans can be with humans, but just not with other kinds. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I did find, it seems like the Hebrew word there is tanin, uh, and it seems like it is used for dragon, serpent, sea monster. Uh, mm. So I think there is strong evidence to point to that perhaps being some sort of serpentine creature. That's wild, it's, it's, dude. it's used mostly as dragon 21 times, serpent three times, whale three times, and sea monster as one time. So, yeah, interesting. So, that dragon more than anything else. Jonah, <laughs> uh, Jonah and the whale could also be Jonah and the sea serpent. Yeah. And it's also interesting if you look at that and then the breakdown that there's different words, right? So these could be different Hebrew words. And I've done a breakdown on this before. Um, so we could dig into it, but you have to actually look at the different yeah. passages and what the actual Hebrew word is, because it's different sometimes. I think that one, if I remember correctly, it is actually whale. Jonah was actually whale when I looked at it, I think. Okay. Um, but one, what I did find was interesting was the word that they use when they're talking about the story of Moses and Aaron throwing down their rods. It seems like that's talking more about dragons uh, than kind of the typical uh, serpent that we think about. So that's kind of cool. Because if, if you think about Jonah, Jonah dueling. and the whale too, and, and relate, relating uh, that to a sea serpent, and then to Dan, 
maybe he was uh, captured in uh, a ship vessel of, you know what I mean, by the serpents and thrown mm-hmm. into the whale of the ship or the hull. Yeah. Know, just perhaps. another interesting... You have to, that's the, yeah, that's why it's cool to look into the original, you know, try to find how was the story originally written and then what because yeah. that gives you better context of what they were trying to say right so right. that'd be fun on all of these passages to christ to also read. makes a comment about because his disciples ask him about the end days and he says a wicked generation will get no sign but the sign of jonah the prophet which his sign would be to get swallowed by a whale and get spit out on the shores of nineveh which was capital city of babylon so when a stubborn prophet is forced <laughs> to preach repentance to Babylon, that's the only sign we're going to get of the second coming, he said. Um, so I think that's pretty interesting. And, and this past year, there was a story in the news of a guy that had got swallowed by a whale, believe it or not. <laughs> so it happened. <laughs> he was in the belly of a whale. Interesting, but it does bring up a good point, right? Here it's saying God created monsters, uh, and I think the yeah. kind of the the thesis that I've gathered from this episode has been God made everything with a place, right? Like when we design yeah. things, there's certain places for certain things, and when we try to go outside of that, that's when we start having chaos in, in our life. In, in my uh, experience, that's mm-hmm. been true. Stay on your rock, lizard. Stay on your rock. <laughs> Something else to consider about this topic are that um, some of these creatures were actually kosher to eat because the rules are that they just have to have fins and scales. So within this context here, this this sea monster could, in fact, be kosher. In fact, Leviathan (laughs) is kosher and he's used to feed his people at some point. So um it seems seems to suggest that at one point Yahweh slays one of these creatures and f- uses it to feed his people um because it's it's kosher beast so it can be slain it's but a catfish that doesn't have scales but has um fins it's not kosher for instance Joshua do you think do you think there's uh do you find any similarities between sort of the stories of Enlil and is it would you say Yahweh is kind of the um the name yeah. mostly used? In the I do Testament? see some similarities, but I also see them with Marduk, who's in Sumerian as well. So that's why I don't like to say that this personality is this one, because sometimes it seems like there's a few even, or that maybe some of the names are actually titles and not names. And so sometimes it's confusing, but that again, where I like to highlight the fruit thing, you know, I'm just, I'm just tracing fruit (laughs) and sometimes there's similar fruit. And, you know, so yeah, I think that the Enlil, Yahweh and, and Marduk, you see similar fruits. And so I don't know if that's because of the occupation of the most high having certain uh, responsibilities and privileges, authority, et cetera. Um, but 
that is something that's kind of come up a lot because even in the Marduk story, he slays Tiamat, which mm-hmm. is a dragon, a, a yep. great dragon, and uses it to create the earth and um, maybe even feed the people. <laughs> so, I, you know, it really kind of blows my mind sometimes Inter- how similar they are. Interestingly, too, according to Sumerian, the, the moon, which was called Kingu, was part of Tiamat. And then um, her consort yeah, yeah it stayed around uh, to become our moon. Uh, so when you were talking earlier too about the moon having water on it, I wonder if King Wu had water on it uh, before hmm. the crushing of the planet. Before the war. Yeah, because yeah. that would be pretty uh, interesting because they say that the moon oh, and, dude. and the earth do have a lot of... Uh, like almost like the moon came from the earth in some way. I've heard uh, that. They even call it Tiamat sometimes, the moon. Oh, really? The, the moon Tiamat? I thought earth was Tiamat, though. And uh, Or that the, the, like the asteroid belt and stuff was yeah. the result of a collision. From, yeah, Marty's kidding. From a planet it. that was named that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tiamat. Uh, because interestingly, like I, I believe that Marduk is, is like Mars. Uh, Mars, Marduk, um, the Mars in the name, and then the Mar, uh, the M A R has to do with the mother, also and, and sea. maritime in the sea and water. So there's another connection between the waters and Mars, uh, possibly of Mars being what Marduk was, not necessarily a tenth planet, but this planet that kind of knocked Tiamat out and then it bounced into the spot. That it's in now and that's why it's kind of void and without life well it's interesting that you bring that up because he wasn't the most high um there was another in that position called anu and uh when tiamat the dragon became um hard to deal with and she got a consort kingu and she started writing her own laws and own decrees and stuff like that. She was trying to mess with the established order and mm-hmm. they wanted to, to get rid of her and do away with her because she was blasphemous. And I think this is also where a Babylon type mm-hmm. motif as well, mm-hmm. the, the antichrist and the, the whore sitting on the beast, etc. I think it all fits this too. Um, but anyway, um, they decide they're going to try and revolt and kill the established order. And so they get Marduk, who's the, for all intents and purposes, the God of war, um, right. to go after her. Really, they were just trying to kill him, <laughs> but he didn't know that. <laughs> so they recruit him to go do it when they really wanted, they were trying to kill Marduk in the first place, but. So he kind of got tricked into it in the story, but um, he was also up to the challenge. But he said if he were to succeed, he wanted to be master of everything. Like They had to make him king of everything. And so after the victory, they give him the tablets of the destiny, uh, authority. Um, He's also given a cape that makes him invisible. And I think that's interesting, too, because it kind of reminds me of the night sky. Um, and he's the only one that holds those v- v- vajaras. Is that what they're called? See those things in his hand right there? 
you want to know something really cool? I was handed one of those in a dream. Oh, wow. Except it was closed. It wasn't open like that. See, I've learned something about this because of the the experience I had. Um, The opened Vajra like that were weapons. And um, I think it had something to do with a certain spoken word or vibration that when I think the little bracelets were... Yeah. yeah, and the bracelets they wear might have had something to do with it too. But anyway, I think if they were holding that and they said a certain word, that lightning bolts would fly out of it or something like that. But then there's another version of this. You can see it's more the modern day common thing is for those times to be closed. And the story is that Indra, which is kind of similar to the Marduk and some of these other entities we're talking about, Enlil, et cetera. Um, they said that uh, Indra's weapon was the Vajra and that Buddha mm-hmm. took it and bent the tines inward to create a mm-hmm. Vajra that looks a little different, but that's scepter of peace. Ah. Same amount of energy and, and destructiveness, but turned into like a mace. And it's really quite an interesting topic. But yeah, you'll yeah. see them wielding these so there's some type of divine it's i think it's where the lightsaber kind of comes from like what we mm-hmm. think of as the lightsaber was really these vajra how do you spell that vajra do you know v-a-j-a-r-y or a-r-a vajara i don't know that's pretty much yeah <laughs> i've also seen it spelled v-a-y-r-a but I, either I, one of those probably get it. I have a hard time even remembering the name, let alone pronouncing it right. But what's and that's Sorry. yeah, that's the kind that was handed to me, the closed type. Yeah, yeah, that's the piece. And when it was handed to me, there was a word spoken. It was just placed into my hands with the word shem spoken. That was hmm. it. That was the dream. It was very lucid too, shem. but it reminded me of. In the tarot cards, you see the hand of God, like the ace cards are, are the hand of God coming out of the clouds and just with a pentacle or a sword or a wand or a cup. Well, this in my dream was just the hand, hand me a Vajra. So it reminded me of like the ace card or the ace tarot. Uh, and it just spoke Shem. And it, I tell you what, <laughs> that really put me on a, a rabbit trail. Um, I still don't think I've solved the complete understanding of it, but are you from the line of Shem? I don't know, man, maybe most, most uh, of us are. Did the ancestry stuff, but that's where you get into your proto Indo European stuff. Um, so I did some research and basically the land of paradise was the land of Shem. And Shem had a double portion. He was given twice the land as Ham and Jepeth. So all of Asia essentially belonged to Shem. And that's Middle where Earth. paradise was. Yeah. And then Ham uh, got Africa and Jepeth got uh, uh, Europe. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting to see, too, how the way things are playing out today. There's supposed to be what's called a war of Gog and Magog where um, basically the lands of Shem meet the lands of Japheth. And, you know, 
that's exactly where we're seeing the war of Ukraine right now <laughs> is where those two buffer up against one another. So mm-hmm. that's another reason I think we're kind of in the end days is, you know, the lands of Shem and Japheth are at war with one another. Yeah. Another connection to Gog and Magog are, Gog and Magog are also giants, by the way. Yeah. With uh, Dan is uh, Dan, which is from Shem, uh, the, which is oh, really Semitics. Yeah. Because he was born from Abraham, mm-hmm. uh, from uh, Jacob. Arabia. Yeah. Uh, so all, all the Hebrews are Shem, right? Yeah, correct. Uh, so Dan was a Shem, uh, but he started mating with Ham, uh, and that was creating the hybrids, which is what the um, Levites were to uh, get rid of to uphold the law of God. And uh, that's why Dan mm. got kicked out of the tribes. And then uh, they, they forced the other tribes to only marry within their own um, peoples. Uh, and that's why uh, you have to accept uh, Judaism. If you are not already Jewish, you have to accept that when you get married into it uh it's kind of like their loophole of getting you in Hmm. yeah that's good history that's good background thank you uh because also ham is the one that um defiled noah uh oh wait i I got a theory on that actually so, so if whatever he did he got cursed so by dan uh co-mingling with ham uh it says in the bible that he co-mingled with ham uh by doing that that brought the curse into dan and so they expelled dan and what are your thoughts on that do you think that was uh just man being man essentially just kind of being you know making making an error like, or do you think that was like God saying to do that? I don't, we don't see that, right? Me or Joshua? Either of you. Oh. That's why I brought up Kynes. That's why I brought up Kynes Exactly. Too, yeah. Because this is going to be a big part of, of Genesis later, you know, when, when we talk about the Israelites and whatnot and, and Kynes being just other humans. Uh, so that's why it's interesting right. to me that it just has Kynes and it's not, has no racial ethnicity to it or anything like that which is why i i asked that because later on then we see the mixing of these different human racial backgrounds or ethnicities and then that's somehow not okay so that's that makes me like go well what that's kind of weird that's backwards then right Right. Well, then that just, that's what I'm getting at. I think it seems like there was just some people being kind of weird, like superstitious almost instead well, I, of actually following God. Well, I, I think that goes back to the idea that they felt Ham was cursed uh, because of what he did to Noah. He committed that evil, whatever that was. And then so because Dan went uh, and mingled with Ham, now he bears that curse. And so now he's outcasted. Uh, because now he he can't he can no longer get into the kingdom because now he has that evil because he's not uh pure anymore uh which was 
the whole point, which with Noah, right, was to keep that purity. If Ham had not done what he had done, maybe I think that possibly it wouldn't have been a big deal at all. Right. But I think what I'm getting at is I don't think God ever said that, right? At least that I know of that, um, like you can't co-mingle with them or did he? Or was that just them being superstitious, thinking the curse would sort of bleed over? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, good. I, I don't know the Bible well enough to uh, say otherwise. Uh, I, but, but I bet as we read, we, we might find that out later. <laughs> they were prohibited from mixing with certain races. Like, for instance, as they were moving through the land of Canaan and slaying the giants mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, not only were they not to take wives or anything like that, but they weren't even supposed to touch anything in a lot of cases. And they were supposed to burn it or destroy it and not even touch it or whatever. And if somebody picked up something, everybody in the camp would get plagued and punished and people would die. <laughs> so, like, I think a lot of this goes back to also to the concept of influenza and fomites. Mm which are disease vectors and we got the fomorians as well so i think that the giant dna um was something that it basically infected the human dna and so when they would go through these lands and destroy the giants i think that was one of the reasons they weren't allowed to take the wives or livestock or anything because it wasn't just they weren't allowed to have sex with them and have children i think he didn't want them even getting there the DNA in them, you know, cause that would, it would ruin them or something like that. So I think, and, and there's this big connection kind of to the giants idea. even. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm well, saying. Like it, it's more like a sanitation deal more than anything. Um, <clears throat> now, as far as what's going on here with ham, Japheth and Shem, um, I've heard theories that ham was of a different, uh, lineage, like he had had a ham with a different woman. Um, so that's possible too. But one of the stories, I've, well, kind of my theory, I guess, because I don't know if there's really a story that definitively says this, but I think what Ham did to Noah was this. Um, I think that Noah had in his possession the garments that were given to Adam and Eve in the garden. And the reason I think that is because after they sinned, uh, they were given garments to wear. And um, those garments eventually ended up in the possession of Esau, Nimrod, you know, all these great hunters. And uh, I think Noah had them at one point. And that what Ham did was steal them from Noah. So he stole his birthright, essentially. Um, And so knowing how special these were, I I think that that would have been part of the reason why he was uh, kind of cursed, because he basically stole the mantle from Noah, his, his dad. So it was Noah's to give. It was his blessing to give, and Ham steals it from Shem. So um, I think that's kind of interesting to point out, too, is that everybody usually wants to think that, oh, you looked at him naked or tried to like, have intercourse with him or something like that. But I don't think it was like, I don't think it was that at all. I think he stole the, the holy garments from him. 
Interesting. And those garments come up again in the story of Jacob and Esau when Isaac asks um, Esau to make him some goat stew. And what does Esau do? He takes off his garments and lays them mm. down and goes out to get a goat. But see, what would happen is if you left those skins on, animals wouldn't fear you and they would just walk right up and you could just kill them right there on the spot. Well, to prove how great a hunter he was, Esau leaves his skins, takes his skins off and lays them down and goes out hunting. Well, because he doesn't have the skins, it takes him forever to find a goat. And while he was out, Jacob puts the skins on, takes the birthright, puts the skins on and then gets the blessing from Isaac. And, you know, <laughs> so it's really quite uh, extraordinary, I think. That's fascinating. And how that all plays out. And so the question is, where are those skins now? Hmm. And if, you know, whoever wore those skins would have spiritual dominion and authority. It's like the so, idea um, of uh, Jason Argonauts, too, where he gets the coat. The of, golden fleece. Exactly. Uh, yes. Very good. That's um, a great comparison. Also, uh, from, from from the sons, uh, when we're reading these uh, these first verses here, it says it separated them out into their different kinds, and uh, Shem, Japheth, and Ham were allotted certain territories. So, technically, if mm -hmm. they were outside of their territories, they weren't supposed to be there because that was allotted for the other son. So, I guess you could think of that as like you're not supposed to co-mingle out of your allotment either because that's your kind. That's where you're supposed to stay. Uh, that is your part that I have given to you, not this other part up here, because there is a part where it, I think it talks about uh, one of the tribes of Ham go up into the land of Shem, and then there's a war that happens and they try to kick Shem out because they wanted that land, but they weren't supposed to have it. Mm. Interesting. And that's also where Egypt is, is in the land of Ham. So the Israelites end up in captivity in the land of Ham, mm. more or less. And then so the Exodus story takes place where they cross the Red Sea. And you see that's where the land of Ham and Shem meet right there is where they crossed over the Red Sea. And then they spent all that time on the Sinai Peninsula for 40 years being purified and then taken into Israel finally. Wow. Um, but yeah, all that's in the land of Shem. That's pretty cool. Thanks for that map. I know it's just a meme, but <laughs> it's pretty, pretty yeah, good to have that visual. Helpful, way. very helpful. Yeah. yeah, especially when you're talking about these things, especially when we don't know exactly where these places are. Uh, definitely helps in, in putting it in your head and going, oh, okay, this makes sense now. So if you are Caucasian, then you're from the Caucasus Mountains, which are in the uh -huh. Asian region, yep. of course. So, yeah, it's yeah. really quite remarkable how some of these words still today kind of have roots that uh, lead us back to those interesting things, those truths that we find. Do we have mm -hmm. any text uh, depicting the different characteristics of Japheth, Ham, and Shem? You know, this meme is showing them as the sort it, of different pigments we know of, but is that based off of Yeah, you know, what's, what's weird to me is like how people will say like, um, also with the tribes of Israel, like this tribe became the Native Americans and this one became the Chinese and this one became the Inuit and this one became that. 
like i don't know how that happens that doesn't make any sense to me like why would they all be that diverse uh from from the same tribe because that means all that's what i'm saying we're all shemite we're all shem uh because it, it if that's true then then that got split up all over the place and we're all shim basically so it, it doesn't really make sense to me uh because i even say like uh you know mayans and aztec or whatever also came from one of those uh israelite tribes uh so i i don't i don't know it's weird apparently you're only actually jewish if your mother was jewish so there's something i think that has to do with the mm. mitochondrial dna so it's not something that the male can transfer it's something that the woman transfers so for instance say when a woman has a child every child she ever has she contains the dna of in her body mm -hmm. so theoretically a genuine jewish woman today would have within her the line going all the way back to eve mm. if she was like shemite for instance so that's why that bloodline is so important especially within the context of matthew when we're talking about the 42 generations because christ would have been basically like shem it would have been a pure unadulterated bloodline that the messiah comes through so had that um been corrupted in any way then we there could have been a redemption through christ so but I think that's would, wouldn't have japath and ham also have came from eve though too since they both all three of them came from well Noah, i think they Noah did from there too so aren't are aren't they all the same well he could have had them with different women though he could have had oh, okay. each son with a different woman so i mean if you does it I mean, look at the story the of jacob i don't know Jacob has uh, children with his two wives and then handmaidens as well. And yes. Dan, of course, yeah. was from one of them. I think yeah. Bill, Bill Al. Bill Al. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you know, one thing you could consider, I'm just other, this Rachel randomly, was barren. Sorry, go ahead, no man. I was just going to say, what if it was more of a global society? You know, we always talk about old Atlantis potentially being like a global, more connected society. Uh, what if it was and Noah was able to sort of get around, if you will, to the different areas <laughs> of, of the earth? And he got around, have, you know, like people who were in more of a tropical yeah. situation or, you know, the actual environment affecting the sort of look of the characteristics. I don't know. It could have been an idea. Uh, he could have been told to do so. I mean, that could have been part of God's plan for genetic diversity sake or something. Who knows? I mean, you don't really know because to keep the same bloodline too is actually not good for uh, right. like, for instance, if you're breeding dogs or anything else, you know, um, purebreds have genetic problems. Yeah. And so it wouldn't be any different than with people. And even when the Exodus occurs, it's not just the Hebrews, but a mixed multitude that comes with them as well. And so um, it's the children of all those people that actually make it into the promised land. So it would have not just been Hebrews, but a mixed multitude of people. So I think it's just something that doesn't, it doesn't seem to quite make sense because it feels like there's a piece missing <laughs> yeah like the genetic story 
I would agree. That there seems to be something missing. Yeah. Well, it could be right. I mean, that there was like the Nephilim or the fallen angels that were a different species that were sort of still similar, right? If we were made in God's image, perhaps there was another species. I mean, does that track? Well, they were able to mate with us, the angels. Yeah. So just in their native being, <laughs> we were so already if, compatible, apparently. Yeah. So that would make sense, right? If the genetics, you know, if Noah had genetics with one of the kids, and it was slightly yeah. mixed. I don't know. Well, because the Nephilim are, are hybrid offspring of angels and humans. Um, right. So I guess maybe angels and humans aren't supposed to mix. Maybe that's why they became an abomination. But then the Nephilim also become the demigods of all the different, you know, mm -hmm. mytholo mythologies that we hear about Zeus and everything else. They become those. So any of those are considered to be Nephilim, which are bad because they came from an unholy union. But even yeah, I mean, in the Bible, it says it, uh, that we... Nephilim means uh, uh, men of renown. So just so even giants, in terms of, is, does that mean large people or tall people, or does that just mean like people who had notoriety, uh, who were known at the time? Those were what Nephilim were. Uh, also, Nephilim goes back to the naval, naval heim, Nephilim, uh, which is in uh, the Norse mythology. So, and then naval is what a navy is, and they sail on water. So, you get right back to like sea people's ideas and serpents and whatnot. Yeah, super interesting. I mean, what do you, what do you guys think? Like if there's sort of a set, uh, ideas of principles and then something goes outside of that, like what's the best way to approach it? <laughs> right. Cause like we, you know, it would be weird for us. I, I see us as the caretakers of this earth and of the creatures. It would be weird if we started mating with creatures, right? Um, that's, I think the angels, most did. people, well, that's mm -hmm. what I'm getting at. Mm -hmm. Right. Is like, so if that happens and you know, what, what should happen? What should God do? It's not part of the plan. <laughs> I don't. So I don't think. Um, out. Yeah. I don't think humans and animals can mate and have offspring. I. I, I think that the the sperm and whatnot is different. So if, if there was a creation of a hybrid chimera with animal and human, that would have had to been synthetically made, and so that would have been outside of creation because it would have been fake. Uh, because it's not possible exactly, yeah. to get a bird pregnant, you know. It's not compatible with human semen. Yes. But exactly. I think angel semen was probably rather potent. So angel Maybe was compatible with it. all seeds? Well, that wouldn't make sense if everything else had its kind, but angels could just do whatever. Well, I mean, we don't really know what an angel is. <laughs> so... Yeah. But I think, uh, I mean, if, if they, if they were with a woman and produced a giant, um, I mean, if they were with an animal and might've produced a hybrid, I mean, it was, seems like it was kind of unpredictable. I mean, it really wasn't any precedent for the kinds of things they were doing in the first place. So it's really hard to say.
I think what for that matter, if you even explain dinosaurs that way, perhaps maybe they were meeting <laughs> with reptiles too. That's a good question. I would like to get into in another time. <laughs> dinosaur <laughs> idea, uh, but but I think that angels were uh, Caucasians, uh, and I don't mean that in a, a, a racial uh, negative negative way or anything. Um, but Anglo's and angels seem to have oh, very close. Uh, be very close in name, and I think that also uh, there's a name called Agel, which angel comes from, which means a bull that runs in circles. Uh, so you have these corners and you have these angles, uh, and I think that's where Anglo comes from. And so, like when I was talking about the compass and the square earlier, and the angle inside the circle, the angle uh, inside the arc uh, or the circle, meaning the where the angles or the angels come from is from the arctic circle uh so that's what i'm kind of referring to with this idea of japheth possibly being anglo and then um you have the mix of anglo and saxon and saxon is isaac or issachar uh so you have that mix of anglo and saxon we have mix of Japheth and uh, Hebrew. Hmm. Yeah, it seems to add up in a lot of ways. Uh, so, it really so, simplifies it to see it split up in threes like that, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. So to so many countries. Like, angels can have sex with humans. Well, of course they can have sex with humans. They're just a different kind of human. They're just a different colored human. So we're, but we're all human. We're all hued men. We all have different hues to us. So that's why I. It really. It's weird to understand. It's hard to understand this kind thing. Uh, there has to be something more to it. So maybe, like I was referring earlier to Ham, you know, uh, committing this atrocity, which meant that he was outcasted, which weren't supposed to be with the outcast anymore because the idea of angels and humans or or different colored people having sex with each other doesn't make sense because it's all humankind i think that's what we're all trying to move to but then biblically it seems like separated i think that's why where a lot of kind of racial ideas and racial tension come from is is from the bible i have a interesting thought too um the last image we had up there that had them um, the colors of the yeah um the black is usually referred to in egyptian terms as kemet mm. or where we get the word alchemy from uh -huh. and this is something that i think might help to explain maybe what ham did because uh, we know that nimrod committed some type of unforgivable sin where he created him uh, within himself. He became a mighty man of renown on Nephilim, like we were talking about. Um, so you, so how do you become, calls, how do you become a Nephilim? I think born through alchemy, that perhaps. Ah, through alchemy. Okay. Keep going. Yeah, so somehow, so he, uh, what he did to himself was he became a Giborum is the word it uses. And a Giborum is a, a mighty one. So what that means exactly, nobody really knows for sure. But what it seems to suggest is that he somehow transgressed some divine law by uh, 
I guess, turning himself into an abomination of sorts. So did he combine his DNA with other animal kingdoms or, you know, like, what did he do exactly? Nobody can really say, but that's something that came to my mind. Another thing about the Nephilim, um, since we're in Genesis, um, when we read about this Tower of Babel uh, situation, which I see is even on the map there. Um, so whenever we read about that in, in the Bible, it talks about that, that they wanted to make a shem for themselves, which I see they're actually in the land of shem. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it says the people wanted to make a shem for themselves. And so shem is a word that means name, but also has a dual meaning of fame. So it means both name and fame. So the people that constructed the Tower of Babel, they also wanted to make a name or fame for themselves by doing so. Um, so uh, I just wanted to mention that about the Nephilim. Yeah, that goes into the whole Nephilim idea of being men of renown and men of known or, you know, kings uh, that wanted to secure their destiny or their uh what's that called legacy legacy there you go legacy yeah. uh and and their name they want to be remembered yeah and that's kind of at the root of the word for satan which is a plural catch-all term for all fallen angels all whom are the adversary of the most high are automatically satan so they might serve themselves they might serve another entity but regardless they're all collectively satan whereas hashem is a jewish term that means the name so you either share in the fame of the name or you are and that's the right hand or there's the left hand which is uh, ha satan or the adversary um, so that i think that's so really interesting here to yeah. highlight also in the in the Sumerian with Enki and Enlil, it's Enki that uh, gets Africa, and uh, he is, oh. um, and and so he would have been the chief scientist according to the Sumerian, and uh, so the chemistry that Ham oh, was producing, <laughs> uh, yeah, the chemistry that Ham was wow. producing uh, was came from Enki, so. If Enlil and Marduk uh, was the son of Enki, who uh, uh, basically shunned his father and uh, did the bidding of his uncle Enlil, and so you have this um, idea too that maybe uh, because of their scientific or whatever they were doing with the alchemy, or if they are creating chimeras or hybrids. Uh, that they could also be shunned for that reason. So uh, mixing with them would also not be good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because their behavior, the behavior. sin, like yes. uh, they say that you kind of carry sin in your genetics too. From the father. Sins yeah. Can, yeah. So, you know, even their behavior, uh, that would be something you wouldn't want to see crop up in the children and children's children etc sin is what, a disease right you know? it's like the idea it's of it. atonement right is you're atoning from the sins of your your ancestral line yeah 
you're purifying yourself of those sins that they have committed even though that you might not necessarily be responsible for it yourself your family is responsible a lot of hebrew israelites also talk about that idea of uh occasions because we brought slavery to america and put them in captivity that we not even though we had nothing to do with it our uh ancestry did so we need to atone for those things by repaying them with um uh an acre and a mule or whatever acre and a mule <laughs> and i think that the way the bible puts it is there's no uh remission of sin without the shedding of blood so there's that precedent that was set to where it was spoken by god that there was no remission of sin without the shedding of blood so as such we had to sacrifice animals and such mm. um, until the day that christ was sacrificed and then that brought an end to all that we didn't have to do animals anymore we made it to day five i think yeah. so far <laughs> we went so, on little tirade there but that was a, a lot of fun actually um there's a lot a lot going on lots going on um i think we're on 24 uh, real nope. quick i did want to read uh i think i might have a little bit of a different interpretation from the bible i feel like jesus has made a few statements where he talks about like this man's um not crippled because of the sins of his father or from the past, you know, is some other reason. Okay. And just a quick search. Um, it also hmm. comes up Deuteronomy 24, 16. Fathers shall not be put to death because of their children, nor shall ah. children be put to death because of their fathers. Each one shall be put to death for his own sin. So I don't know. I do think that we are sort of our own vessels and our own choices and we carry our own weight. However, I think there are, patterns and perhaps even parasites that can sort of trickle down right uh mm -hmm. in, into our genetics and make it harder to make the right choices but i don't think we're judged unless we actually act upon that oh. so i just wanted to put that out there as my sort of piece on the, the that was really no that's great thank you thank you yeah yeah as I, true I think, as that might be though we're still suffering from the sins of adam and eve though at the same time so mm -hmm. it seems that that's repercussions. <laughs> yeah for sure you know, it would seem that that's true but then there's also still the reality that sin can't go unpunished either but so there's some mercy as well in there to recognize right that even though we are sinful we're given that mercy mm -hmm. true mm-hmm yeah uh i think we did uh and god said let the water team with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky uh that's the last one that we did right and so we are on 24 uh 124 and god said let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds their livestock the creatures that move along the ground the wild animals each according to its kind and it was so god made the wild animals according to their kinds the livestock according to their kinds and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds and god saw that it was good 
So this goes into the animals. I think we sufficiently covered all animals, land and sea, uh, in that last talk. Um, and more. I almost... Um, so uh, do you guys want to have anything else to say on that? Um, I do have one comment on the animals, and that's when we read about Ezekiel and his vision that he has. It's his famous vision. Um, there's the four animals, the lion, uh, ox, eagle, or phoenix, and man, that uh, the spirit the throne is sitting upon these four creatures and it's flying around. <laughs> um, but it kind of reminds me again of these kingdoms. So even God's throne is like hearkening back to everything that he's created, like all four corners of creation, so to speak. So that just really came into my mind as you were reading that. Excellent. Yeah. I don't think I had anything else on that. But uh, it does look like the next one, verse 26, and God saith, let us make man in our image. I feel like that could be a, a whole episode maybe in I do itself. too. <laughs> I, think, I think we uh, have, have gone very long already, and we should uh, end here and restart at 126 uh, when it goes there to creating man. Um, yeah, I think that's a good stopping Sounds point good. too because I think that – could go into a whole host of other ideas that we could probably do yeah. a whole episode <laughs> on just these next few verses. Uh, Cause then from there, but then it jumps to Adam and Eve after this or no, is that still a ways away? Um, no, it's pretty soon after this. Yeah. Cause it, happens, it all happens pretty quick. Yeah. And one twenty six is where they're given the authority over all the kingdoms. And then shortly after that, that, that authority is stolen. By, say, uh, by the serpent in the garden. All right. So we're on the sixth day now. What I find interesting is that the beasts and man were both made on the sixth day. Mm. Um, and I know we're stopping the reading part, but since we're talking about the sixth day, I did want to comment on the Shamir. Uh, it, I've read that the Shamir was the last thing created uh on the sixth day at, at twilight like it was the absolute last thing on the list <laughs> we also heard i've been i've been trying to track this down so if anybody knows where i can find this actual writing i would love to see it but i've also heard that when the shamir worm returns that's sort of a sign of the the heralding yeah, of the return exactly. of christ you've heard this do you know where that's sourced from um it could be uh, an Islamic thing because the Shamir is mentioned in Islamic uh, scriptures, I think. And they, of course, also have prophecies about the return of Christ. So, I mean, he's he's actually quite a big figure in, the, in their Bible, in the mm -hmm. Quran. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the reason for that is because you can't really build the temple without it. And so, you know, when Christ returns, he'll be given the Shamir to, to do the work that Solomon did, basically, with the recreation of the temple. Because, like you mentioned, you can't have implements of war in there. You can't use a hammer. Um, everything had to be made just so <laughs> and transported to the area where it was going to be assembled. They couldn't fashion blocks there on the site. 
it is really quite interesting all the detail that went into it but the shamir uh i think for the same reasons i'm intrigued by that is is for instance the red heifer was also oh, something that's been extinct and you know until so now. i think god yeah yeah, yeah. right <laughs> so i think god kind of does some of these things on purpose it's like well if you know you need i know you need the shamir to do this so if you do it without the shamir i'm going to know that you did it in a wrong way so it's just <laughs> right. like with the red heifer it's like well i know they're extinct so if you show up you know sacrificing red heifer like i know you're up to you're up to some no good here because the only way you can do that is by genetic ma- manipulation so i was and watching course, you know, how that worked out yeah <laughs> i was watching uh what's that christian network on television uh, cbn yeah something christian like Broadcasting that network. yeah they were talking about on there they're uh, a farmer i believe in texas who has red heifers and he was selling mm-hmm. these red heifers to um israel or it's whatever premium yeah and uh they they were i think they were genetically manipulated to or they're just breeding these red heifers uh together to uh, and then they're doing a bunch of them at a time and then sending them over there um and i was like oh my god <laughs> here it is you know what the process is no i'm not sure of it they count the hairs and if uh, they find more than i think three white hairs it disqualifies the heifer yeah that's it has right to there. be without a blemish or spot which is kind of very biblical sounding language right mm-hmm. and this is where the eye of providence we were talking about earlier yeah it uh it inspects us for spot or blemish just like the red heifer is being inspected just like the passover lamb is brought into the house and inspected for spot or blemish and so it's this uh concept of atonement inspecting for sin inspecting for blemish so when they get down there on that heifer with a magnifying glass and that rabbi is really counting the hairs and we're not counting the hairs but inspecting the hairs and uh trying to find a white hair and if he finds more than i think two or three is the standard but i also heard they were trying to get them from india which is sacred cow country um where some of these old genetic lines have been preserved and so they were trying to basically resurrect the red heifer out of that and but then uh, that was a long time ago and then since then i've even seen red heifers show up everywhere so (laughs) i don't know if it's I don't think it's a good thing regardless <laughs> <Yeah>. of, <laughs> there's no way it can be good <laughs> because see what it is do you know understand what that red heifer is it see they reject christ as their messiah so if they get a red heifer they can then sacrifice that red heifer for their sins and they use and then what they do is they burn that red heifer up into ash and then mix the ash with water from the pool of siloam which they have been doing rituals of uh um, libation ceremonies with the water from the pool of siloam this year actually so they're preparing everything and getting ready like they just need the, the red heifer now and so they'll be able to reenact the rituals and uh, without christ and the reason they need this is because in jerusalem 
every there's been so many deaths there that everywhere you walk you're walking over a grave well in jewish custom um if you walk over anywhere where somebody's died you're now unclean so everybody in jerusalem is unclean so if they get this red heifer and they can mix it with the pool of water if they get the red heifer ashes and mix it with the water they think they can create enough for six i think it's six million people it could be six billion i guess but i think six million people was the was the uh amount of people they could anoint on the forehead with the heifer ash and then of course you are marked clean even though you've are in a city that's been littered with corpses. So then they can now have the temple services again, once they fulfill that. So, and that's a total rejection of Christ. So I think that will constitute the abomination of desolation that occurs in the temple uh, that Daniel it's spoken of in the Daniel. Cause that's cleanse yourself with the beast with the beast. Of, yeah, yeah, man. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Some GMO wow. heifer. <laughs> Synthetic yeah. So what would heifer. piss God off, right? That yeah. you're going to not only reject my son, but you're going to like put some unclean beast on the altar. I don't think so. So, yeah, <laughs> I kind of see it playing out that way. <laughs> and uh, Esau in the story of Jacob and Esau, Esau means red. He, he put yep. on like red, not fake red, red hair to yeah. receive his dad. Yeah. It reminds me of the so red heifer. Uh, history is rhyming yeah man but i appreciate you guys spending so much time with me this has been a lot of fun yeah yeah i've had a great great. time thank you dan for putting this together yeah this has been great Uh, it's very eye-opening i I think even in this episode we came across um some new things that i haven't heard myself or at least is gonna make me start contemplating some other things so i appreciate that i always love uh receiving new knowledge so I appreciate you guys being here too um, and and doing this with me. Uh, it's been great. Uh, you guys have any last words? And then also uh, tell the people where they can find you one more time. Yeah, just real quickly, uh, you guys can reach out. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, your guys' perspective on anything. You can find me at nomad.art, G-N-O-M-A-D dot art. Uh, love you guys. Thank you so much. You can find me on Telegram, um, also Appalachian Aesthetic on Instagram, and um, you know, feel free to comment on the videos and uh, ask questions. And, you know, if we're still doing these, uh, when we get the questions, I'd love to try and answer anything. So, you know, please uh, try and contact us. And one last thought I had in my head is. Uh, I couldn't help but think of the song Land of Confusion by Genesis. <laughs> it kind of sums things up for us today, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I looked at a whole host of songs um, on on Spotify going through songs the other day looking for stuff, and uh, I found a bunch of songs. So uh, I'll be ready with the songs when it hits on Spotify. Um for now, it's going to go up on the Patreons and then it'll hit Spotify in probably another week or two. I want to try to get three or four of these in and then I'm going to start releasing them on to the free feed for everybody else to listen to. 
So I do appreciate you guys. Thank you very much for being here. And um, thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next time, peace out. I'm regenerating, raising my vibration. Curses ending with my generation. Blessings reigning, it's a celebration. Go and tell the nation, we're all saved by grace. And I know I ain't boasting, I've been stuck in my ways, man. I'm regenerating, raising my vibration. Curses ending with my generation. Blessings reigning, it's a celebration. Go and tell the nation, we're all saved by grace. And I know I ain't boasting, I've been stuck in my ways, man. I've been stuck in my ways How many days before it's no longer a face? God keep giving me grace I'm giving them thanks, I'm giving them praise Giving them thanks, I'm giving them praise I've been stuck in my ways How many days before it's no longer a face? God giving me grace I'm giving them praise, giving them thanks Giving them praise, I'm giving them thanks I've been stuck in my ways How many days before it's no longer a face? God giving me grace I'm giving them praise, giving them thanks Giving them praise, I'm giving them thanks